On this episode of DC On Screen, more Warner Media HBO Max Fallout, Batman's R-rated F-bomb controversy, what time you can finally watch Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max, Tyler Hecklin's new Superman suit, and tons more, including us answering your questions, like who should Bob Odenkirk play in the DCEU? If we were Darkseid, which world would we invade first? Should Space Ghost, Blue Falcon, and other Hanna-Barbera superheroes be integrated into the DC Universe? And a brand new voicemail from our beloved Witter Woman, right after these messages from sponsors that we have not approved of. Harvard Business School Online offers professional certificate courses that are 100% online and can be completed on your own time. Discover how HBS Online can help you take the next step in your career and try a free business lesson today at hbsonline.info. Welcome into DC On Screen episode 621. This is the podcast where we talk about the DC Comics multiverse on film and television, give honest opinions on projects upcoming and past, and believe that every version of a property is valid, even if we don't want it to be. If it's been released, it is fair game, so beware of spoilers, and welcome to the show. I'm David C. Robertson, and this, the man who ill-advisedly convinced Ariana Grande it was a good idea to get engaged yet again, Jason Goss. Can't be trusted. <laughs> yeah. I am no it, North Star. Yeah, the internet was all alight that she was engaged again, and I was yeah. like, yeah, let's look at this guy. Oh, he just looks like Pete Davidson didn't dye his hair. Okay. Gotcha. Well, she's got it. <sighs> Possibly. <laughs> there was a there was a there was a bit of a, a dispute at work about. Some, it was a it was a long story, but there was a the moment and and I'm just I was sitting there in the office. They're they're talking about it. And I wasn't really paying attention, but my ears perked up when one of them said, "See, the problem is the first three wives did blah 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 blah, and then the reason this is oh. different is because blah blah blah." And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. "Hold on, hold on, let's go back a step." You did just use the phrase, the first three wives. <laughs> <laughs> Let's maybe not count on this person for like guidance in this right. area. Right. You know, if everyone's crazy but you, you might need to reconfigure some some notions you have. Used to do that uh, with the guy at work that he was, he's actually, well, he, he's three marriages deep and he's got a uh, mother of two children currently. Oh, a baby mama. Yeah. And, uh. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, you know, and occasionally he would start to rattle off like, well, the thing about women, blah, blah, blah. And I'd scoot my chair down there and be like, first of all, what he's going to say is probably going to be sexist. Second, um, even if you don't care about that, <clears throat> the man has had three ex-wives and one of them tried to kill him twice. Carry on. Dress him if you want to. And I'd go back to my thing. <laughs> Just wanted you to have all the information at your disposal when you made this decision. Uh-huh. Well, I've, I've been with a lot of women. I, I you know, I can, uh. A test, yeah. Three women, uh, three marriages there, and a baby mama. So let me explain to you. No, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> it seems like you might have gotten something a little wrong. <laughs> I mean, and that's a statistically times. high number. If it was you versus the field, if there mm-hmm. were a hundred men standing there, and I wanted to ask one of them for advice versus you, I should pick any one of the hundred men statistically. <laughs> At random, mind you, but statistically, mm-hmm. I should just grab one of them and be like, "Hey, what do you think?" Oh, man. All right. So before we jump into the show, big thank you to the patrons. Uh, $1 a month gets you every episode ad-free. $5 a month gets you that, plus whatever else we decide to put up, which we just recorded a Patreon episode. So be on the lookout for that in the next few days. Also, I I put up uh, a terrible uh, 
<laughs> rendition of the of a Christmas Carol that I uh, performed with my uh, two sisters and my brother in law. It was his idea. He was the executive editor and all that. And uh, we did not have the uh, the talent, the skill, or the equipment to back it up back in 2013. Uh, all I can say about it that you might be interested in is I did a Joker, Mark Hamill Joker inspired take on Scrooge. And uh, <laughs> I remember as much. <laughs> Been a while. I have heard that, yep. but it's been a minute. <laughs> so that is up uh, for your Christmas listening pleasure. Um, <laughs> if you uh, don't want to deal with Patreon, or if you already do and want to help us out even more, uh, and we have just been helped out by another very generous patron um, yet again this week. So uh, thank you for that. Bless you. Um, but you can go to dconscreen.com and click the donate button. It is a... Uh, I, I imagine a painless process for those with the with the money to uh, to swing it. Mm-hmm. It would yeah, be painful for me. Pretty simple. <laughs> and finally, if you want to support the show and get swag for it, check out our merch store linked on dconscreen.com. Right next to the donate button, it says store. We have our brand new logo uh, on a few shirts and uh, mugs and stuff like that. So uh, you can literally get a, uh, a tapestry. Like a giant, like a giant cloth logo that has our, you know, crap on it, and put it in your house, and your wife will go, "What the hell?" Oh yeah, the, ba- no, I, well, the background is pretty, and you'll be like, "It's real space." I think the best version of this is if you get it unexpectedly and put it in a prominent place in your home. Mm-hmm. Yep, for yep. the loved ones who trust you to find and immediately regret. Mm. I think it's. The best possible use of this. Yep. And you know what? Christmas is coming up. I'm really, I'm really busy, but man, I've been working on some more designs, things that move away from just having our logo on a thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, I, I don't know if any of you are interested, I am working on a shirt that says, remember the empanadas. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> from our, the suicide squad, um, John Cena story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, that just stuck with me. I, I keep thinking about that and laughing. Deep. Um, and of course, you can always leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And that's always free. Ooh, let's get into the news because we got some. It's been a couple weeks. It has. Quick disclaimer for me. I promise it'll be brief. Um, mm-hmm. I have been up since two this morning and some change uh-huh. because I was walking in the dark trying to go to the restroom in the middle of the night as one does and instead slammed my head full steam into the corner of uh, the bedroom wall. Ooh, uh, my head hurts. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to show bruises tomorrow that were too fresh today to even start showing. And I spent the rest of the night unable to go to sleep because I was slightly afraid I had a concussion. And then that just turned into being too awake to go back to sleep. So mm-hmm. if I just trail off here and there, I'm going to blame it on that. All right. I mean, I'm I really hate that. Sorry. Mm, I hate that. One. Dude, that's so weird. Nose bled a little bit. Like, because I hate the that last, the last time I was in your house, I hit my head really hard on a shelf, on like the corner of a shelf. Nice. That's <laughs> what I put it there for. <laughs> just, I had like a, a dent in my head and a bruise for like four days after. Yeah. <laughs> I just totally didn't see it. I was like. <clears throat> I mean, I, I hit this wall in pitch dark and I saw light. I hit it so hard. Oh. I saw light and like the birds were seeing colors. Yeah. You need to baby proof the walls higher. Well, I just need, <laughs> you know, a modicum of light, like somewhere in the room. Also, I was just trying to, I was, I was sleepy. A shoe got in my way and it was, it all happened so fast and I was very tired when it did. So I, 
I think the shoe got in my way, and I, I thought I was kicking out of the way, but I think I overcorrected and went mm-hmm. toward the wall. Just bam. I had plenty of light. I was just unaware of my surroundings. I have no excuse. Mm. It was definitely the darkness. That was definitely my excuse. Mm. But yeah, my head's hurt, and I've been um, I, I've been sensing cognitive decline over the course of the day because of tiredness and uh, just you know because I used my face as a bludgeon to see if my sheetrock was going to hold up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I hit a corner where there's probably three two by fours tied together. So good for my sheetrock. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do this. <laughs> Genuinely, if I hadn't hit them, though, I would be replacing sheetrock and in, in trying to match paint. <laughs> that good a hit. <clears throat> so, all right, let's 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 talk about this real quick. Uh, Warner Media has concluded their investigation into Joss Whedon's Justice League shoot. Um, apparently, remedial action has been taken. Their statement says, and uh, we don't know what the remedial action really entails and they declined to give any further details when uh when you know asked by variety ray fisher uh responded and and brought up a thing he said the following was related to me on behalf of warner media this was on twitter and uh he says the investigation of justice league is now complete it has led to remedial action some we have seen some that is yet to come and uh and then this statement and he says which truly belongs to all who participated in the investigation warner media appreciates you having the courage to come forward and assist the company with creating an inclusive and equitable work environment for its employees and partners there are still conver- there are still conversations <laughs> that need to be had and resolutions that need to be found thank you for all your support and encouragement on this journey um he says we are on our way more soon and uh on May- on, on december 12th he said uh Ray said over 80 people were interviewed for the investigation. A fair, thorough, and protected process for witnesses was the first and most important step in ensuring that action is taken uh, is next. Uh, thank you for all who lent your voice. Uh, Gal Gadot talked about it briefly. She says, I'm happy for Ray uh, to go out and speak his truth. I wasn't there with the guys when they shot with Whedon. I had my own experience with him, which was not the best, mm-hmm. but, but I took care of it there and when it happened. I took it to the higher ups and they took care of it. But I'm happy for Ray to go up and say his truth. Like, yeah. girl, girl, you just went on that. Did it. Just <laughs> <laughs> it uh it it kind of sounded like they did wrap it up. There are repercussions, but it feels like there's a lot of NDAs about the results. Yeah. And she did she did go to she did talk to uh Variety and said that she did take part in the investigation. So um yeah, it looks like a lot of people are standing up for Ray. So yeah, you know. he said there were a lot of people that came, you know, that came and backed him. And I don't, I don't doubt that at all. It's, uh, I mean, it, it produced something. We just, I don't feel like we're going to ever maybe see all the nuts and bolts of what it produced. Yeah. Now, I mean, we know that he's HBO Max has departed or parted ways with him, as they said. Um, he's no longer on the Nevers. Um, but something Whedon. telling. Whedon. Yeah. Whedon. <laughs> sounded like Fisher the way it was. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You're right. Um, so Whedon's gone from HBO Max. Yeah. Then we got another p- uh, little bit of news that Freeform canceled his show, some kind of something. Honestly, just didn't even look at it to see what it was. I was just like, yeah, I don't care. I Put it on the list it. of things he's not doing right now. Yeah, that's fine. And, uh, <laughs> but, you, you know, I, I, and don't fool yourself. Dude's not unemployable or done. It's, it's just, no, somebody will pick him up eventually. Yeah. I mean, it, no matter how harsh it is, he'll, he'll, he'll do something again. I mean, best case scenario is maybe we actually get some, some sign somewhere in the interim that he actually learned a lesson of some kind. 
I doubt he will. Look, man. I, I, me too, I, but I, I know you plenty can hope of, for it. I, I know plenty of people who are still going like, well, you know, he's, you know, uh, he's a genius and, you know, artistic geniuses are assholes sometimes. And no, yeah, I, it gets people upset. I'm like, <sighs> I mean, you're not wrong, but it doesn't excuse things like. No, it doesn't. I mean, it does. Being an asshole is also still being an asshole. Like Tchaikovsky was a wonderful composer and a, and a pedophile. We don't we don't brush that to the side, <laughs> right? Um, the way you said that reminded me of Norm Macdonald talking about Michael Jackson. <laughs> also, like, and with, even with Michael, I think there may be more mitigating factors. Where I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if you had a good start. Like, you, uh, this was no, going to go awry no, somehow. I'm sure. Um. But yeah, man. Uh, so let, let's get into a little bit more of this HBO Max. Uh, all the movies dropping on HBO Max at the same time. <laughs> Fallout. And I'm not going to get completely into it. Like, I, I edited this. So keep that in mind. Uh, we were pretty rough on Christopher Nolan last week. Yeah. Uh, we just had a little bit. I believe our, our basic response was, fuck that guy. I mean, I, and, uh, I regret nothing, but I'm willing to listen. Yeah. Now. I, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll get into it and I'll, I'll say what I have to say. Now, look, uh, over on uh, Hollywood Reporter, this was the initial thing. Nolan said, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Dude, Peacock's still around. CBS All Access exists. Come on, man. It's not the worst. <laughs> Quimby died. Um, <laughs> he says Warner Brothers had an incredible machine for getting a filmmaker's work out everywhere, both in theaters and in the home, and they are dismantling it as we speak. Hold on, hold on. I already have it. No, they didn't have you talk to Zack Snyder <laughs> or they David Ayer. They don't even understand what they're losing. They, Their decision makes no economic sense. And even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the difference between disruption and dysfunction. Oh, he's trying to drop the phrase disruptor. Like he actually knows what the fuck. They, no, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. No, no, son. No, mm -mm. no, it, that's not how this works. Like the most casual Wall Street observer is probably aware that over the last three to five years, all of their stocks have gone down. Yeah. And, I mean, it's peaks, but the overall average, not good. Look. 2019 was a record-breaking year for, you know, grosses as far as movies are concerned. But Oh, the top line was fantastic, but look they, what you had at your disposal. The theaters were still going under. Yeah. If this they is, weren't, they wouldn't be having this issue. Like last year, October 2019, AMC was actively discussing. They, were they had announced that they were going to be doing same-day releases on their own streaming service. Yep. Okay. So to sit there and now say... For the AMC people to say like, oh, pi piracy, piracy is going to happen. But just because you couldn't get your shit together and get your own streaming service happening doesn't mean they shouldn't. You and guys screwed yourselves. By the way, piracy forced the hand of a more convenient option from the actual people that are the media output. So like, the reason you have streaming services and the reason that was a mountable force is because piracy was a real problem. And it it, it is down to a fraction of its you know, it's it's self back in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely still there. You're never going to actually beat that, by the way. Like, yeah, no. there is a point. But they had to find a sustainable way of actually keeping these products. There had to be something to put out. And there had to be a way to put it out where you made money. And streaming came in to fill the gap. 
you can't blame it now because it came in to fill yet another fucking gap. Yeah. It's not like, their fault that they just keep stepping in and saving the industry. Like, Nolan's bullshitting about, oh, the, the Wonder Brothers, the greatest company. First of all, no, the fuck they weren't. Where have you been for the last five years? Go fuck yourself. Second of well, all- Well, to Christopher Nolan, who <laughs> is allowed to do whatever the hell he wants to do and have as much time as he wants to do it. Yeah. yeah and- they were the greatest. All the, There's always been so much bullshit about how Warner Brothers- is like, oh, they're the creator studio. Oh, the, the, uh, no, you know, they're, the, the, and they're not the, any worse than any other studio, but they're not like, it, this is not a utopia for <laughs> all tours. You know what I mean? That is exactly what I was looking for. All tours. Like, oh, the auteur director. When, when the auteur wants to go make something, they go they to, go to an Warner indie Brothers. studio. Yeah, That's where the know, auteurs go. <laughs> back in the 60s and 70s, yes. <sighs> but I mean, uh, are we, Looking at the eighties, the like I, uh, Tim Burton didn't have that freedom on the first Batman. He did on the second Batman, much to some people's disgrace and, and shame. And I, you know, he went a little far. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying um, all the edits were bad on WBC. That's the other thing. I'm not actually also blaming Warner Brothers here. They're they, like they have a product. They have a uh, stake in the matter for sure. They, they have the most skin in the game, and they're trying right. to protect their their bottom line. I think they've had some people for the last few years that we've covered constantly that fucked us over and over and over again about they were mm-hmm. not actually good at controlling the creative output on the on the Warner Brothers creative side. And uh, even we, we thought that was maybe going in a better direction, and still we're 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 seeing we're seeing how that goes. But it's never been like it's not Warner Brothers' fault that they're also trying to kind of protect their the bottom line, like that is their responsibility. It is a publicly traded company. Yeah. That's their whole thing. That's what they have to do. And they're doing it to some extent to their best ability and to the other extent, you know, to get their bonuses on time. And when we go to parse that kind of stuff out, we end up with like, oh, fuck Sujihara. Or other times we just, other times it's just, look, you probably had the best intentions and you fucked it. Mm-hmm. it it's going to be a mixture of these things, but it's not, It's this was never, you did not go to sleep that night thinking you were just, being held in the arms of the angels and woke up to find a demon horn stuck up your fucking ass. That is not what happened. Uh-huh. Go fuck yourself on that one. All right. Now, now here's where I start to, I feel like another day, a day has passed mm-hmm. and Nolan has started to understand that there were not positive reactions to what he had to say. Much like mine. Gotcha. And uh, he says in an ET online interview, he says, uh, there's such controversy around it because they didn't tell anyone. It's very, 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 very messy. A real bait and switch. Yeah, it's sort of not how you treat filmmakers and stars and people who these uh, these guys have given a lot for these projects. They deserve to be consulted and spoken to about what was going to happen to their work. He said his reaction was disbelief, especially the way in which they did it. And he might have a point there. I'll give him that it's not normal for sure. But these are not normal times. These are not normal times. And also like, you know, uh, the, the director, I can't remember his name, Dennis Villeneuve or something. The guy that did Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. All right. And he's doing Dune. Yeah. Wrote this whole big thing. And I didn't write it. I was like, I'm not putting that in the show. But <laughs> he did. He did say that they were $150 million in debt. Okay. You made your, you made our point for, for, for us. Like if they're that much in debt, how are they going to come to every director and set of stars and say, we're going to give you the Gal Gadot deal. We're going to sit here in negotiations with 17 filmmakers Just and an ungodly, ungodly amount of stars. 
Impossible. To make sure that we, the whole, re- one of the whole reasons they're putting this out. Uh, Every last producer, by the way. Like, Stanky talks about this, actually, about how like they just, they had to roll it out because they've got a whole other slate of films next year. They can't wait for the pandemic to hopefully be over and then just cram everything in the movie theater at the end of the year. By the way, will, they, will, will there be movie theaters? We and don't know. what are you going to do? Like, are you going to not go to John Wick Four because you're going to see the Matrix movie, or like you're going to be competing with yourself if that's how you try to do it? Yeah. You're going to bottleneck your own return. And, and he I'm goes not on. saying this is ideal by any stretch. And God, I hate that I keep defending a fucking big company like this. But I'll be damned if there isn't some sense to it. Like, what were you going to do? Talk to these people in advance? Absolutely not. You would end up with sound bites like this, mm-hmm. every last one of them, and. Yeah, like, it, that's that is not like there's no way it's an insurmountable process if you try to go uh, yeah. that way i feel like this this is a an industry changing set of events it forced it forward maybe 10 15 years uh 20 on the outset but guys this was gonna happen it's just happening quicker because of covid they're, they're, and like Warner if, Brothers if had if to it do was what they tarot cards they were reading a certain way anyway and then you glanced away for a second, you came back, and the tarot cards were your fucking bank statement. Yeah. Like, uh, Nolan goes on to say, in 2021, they've got some of the top filmmakers in the world. They've got some of the biggest stars in the world who worked for years, in some cases, on these projects, close, uh, very close to their hearts, that are meant to be big big screen experiences. They, they're meant to be out there for the widest possible audiences. How is this the widest possible audience if people aren't going to the theater, dude? And mm-hmm. now they're being used as a loss leader. For the streaming service, for the fledgling streaming service without any consultation. You're just like cheap shots at a streaming service that's trying to get off the ground because you're pissed that you're not going to get your little back end deal. I mean, I'll even like even leaving out the back end deals. Let's say that they came in and said, hey, I mean, he's he's we'll the artsy fartsy with- type. He's got his artistic integrity and all that shit. That's the part that bothers me about what what he said is. Putting aside some of the problems I have with with his films, and and there are plenty. It's not like he's mm-hmm. my ideal filmmaker in general. Like for me, it's not like like if Edgar if Edgar Wright was having this conversation, I would be having a different conversation in certain ways. But part of my problem is that it's just the tone deafness of of thinking like, well, these things were made to be released a certain way. I don't give a fuck, man. Things are not happening a certain way anymore. You can't rely on that. You can't bet on it. And you. Sure as fuck can't resent the fact that it's not happening anymore. Get your head out of your ass. Mm-hmm. Shit ain't real anymore. Like shit is not normal. It's this is the new reality. You've got to learn to cope with it. And sitting there resenting this shit like a tone deaf piece of shit is just pissing me off. Obviously. Yeah. Like oh my god, man. You. Hmm. Right. Now the uh, then some of this feels like he eventually does. He says some stuff that sounds good, but it also feels like backpedaling. This article, though, points out the COVID-19 pandemic has led to North American exhibitors opting to operate with only 37% of movie theaters open while studios hold back the release of major titles. Nolan's Tenet grossed $57 million in North America for Warner Brothers in three months and topped $300 million internationally. Dems is not good numbers, y'all. Mm-mm. Uh, on December 8th. Uh, I think it was an $86 million budget or something. Like it was... It was big, yeah. Uh, AT&T chief John Stanky, which apparently that is how you say that name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bless you. Says, Sorry. Uh, 
says uh, he's at the U.S. Uh, sorry, UBS Global TMT virtual conference. And he says, I know there's a lot of noise out in the market, people with different, different viewpoints. Anytime you're going to change a model is going to create a degree of noise. We knew we tried it. We needed, bleh, sorry. We knew we needed to try something different. We think it's a great way to penetrate the market faster. This is one of the arrows in the quiver for us to do that. Uh, he said that HBO Max gained 4 million subscriber activations in the past two months to stand at nearly 12.6 million, up from 8.6 million at the end of Q3. In the last 30 days, he said the number of hours HBO Max customers spent streaming the service weekly increased about 30%, by the way, uh, 36%, sorry. And uh, by the way, it's on all the services now. It's on Roku. Uh, my wife is setting it up tonight. She's so excited. Um <laughs> It's going to be more, y'all. They, like, this all, like, dude, Roku just, like, bent over and said, yes, please. Oh, yeah. Um, when Amazon signed, we were like, oh, no, that's yeah. just, that's the death knell for Roku. Roku effectively went to the table and said, how much can you make this, can you make it not hurt? Yeah. That's he says, he says, I'm really pleased with where we are with HBO Max. The question was, what's best to deal with that asset? Our feeling is there's a win-win-win here. In our case, we had a fair amount of content in the pipeline. The studio was facing an inability to take that product out to our customers. Um, from our perspective, going and giving uh, giving those properties to significant competitors is probably not the most intelligent way to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> he said that Warner Brothers believed it was important to get its movies into the market in a staged way versus snow plowing content into the back half of 2021 when movie theaters are expected to more widely open back up. Smoothing that out is frankly in the best interest of not only us, but those who create the product. It's to give customers choice, is to allow the, the industry to have this transitional moment. Um, yeah, I mean, is, I don't. I just I don't see a way around what's actually happening, and and I know it's supposed I, I to be temporary. I genuinely do feel for like the creatives that were, and it it really does sound like this is a real thing that happened. I I feel for the creatives that were completely like uh, blindsided, but I just don't know another way it would have gone down. I mean, it would have been leaked. There would have been uh, there there would have been problems. There would have been complications. Yeah. It would not this have is... gone over as a, a proud announcement. It would have gone over as uh, almost like a unilateral dictatorial kind of pronouncement. You know what I mean? Yeah. He says with the day and date release strategy, he feels like it still shows respect for theatrical venues and doesn't push it exclusively to streaming or hand it off to their competitors. He's, but as for what happens in 2022 and beyond, he says the longer term is dictated by what customers wish to do. Customers are going to drive what occurs in the market. Ultimately no shit. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to diminish him. I'm saying that to say like filmmakers need to get their head out of their ass and realize that people, a lot of people, people with children, people without children like me who have freaking panic attacks in the theater, don't want to go to the movie theater necessarily. It, it's uh, and not, also pandemic. Yeah. Like on its best day, it was not my favorite experience, but it, there were upsides and I had good and bad days with it right now. Oh no, no son. We're not doing that. Not happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, see, this is this, and this is an interesting bit. Uh, <sighs> says asked about Warner Media's plans to launch an ad-supported, cheaper version of HBO Max next year. Stan, uh, sorry, Stanky, mm -hmm. said there that's still on track for 2021. Some of the content uh, in the AVOD iteration of the service will have ads, uh, but other content will not. There's no reason we can't offer a service to a customer that ha uh, that has that delineation. Um, he did say it will not be heavy with live news or sports. AT&T has reportedly been looking to offload the declining direct TV division 
uh, Stanky didn't speak to that, but he admitted that the pay TV business is not as attractive as it once was. If you're just using your platform to distribute somebody else's IP, it's going to be difficult to make money because that aggregated pay TV content is available in so many platforms. What's happening is that margin at retail is being competed away. Stan, right. uh, Stanky said the telco will continue to use DirecTV and the over-the-top AT&T TV products strategically to meet customer expectations and enhance the value of multi-product bundles. Uh, on December They're 8th, Screen... set up their own tiered cable system with their product. Yep, makes sense. And uh, let's the see. The model already Screen... works. Why not use it on your own stuff, like you were saying? Absolutely. Screen Rant reported uh, WB movie stars will get additional pay for streaming release. Uh, Keanu Reeves and Will Smith reportedly, as of December 8th, had not received bonuses for their movies going to HBO Max. According to Variety, Warner Brothers is currently coming up with a plan to pay lead actors and directors affected by the HBO Max deal back-end compensation contingent on the film's box office performances. Uh, (laughs) Representatives for stars like Smith, Reeves, Denzel Washington, Margot Robbie, and Angelina Jolie have questioned why they are not receiving the same treatment as as Godot, because their movies haven't made nearly as much as Wonder Woman did. Well, there's that, and they don't have to go first. They don't have to go first, exactly. Uh, You you could have gone to the bargaining table. If I was going to go to the bargaining table with all these people that got blindsided, part of my argument would have been, hey, we're going to try this on this movie, and we'll see where it goes, but it's going to mitigate what I'm willing to pay you. Yeah, and you know what? I... I, I said this last week. I think a lot of why this is happening is because they saw how the Jenkins Godot mm-hmm. negotiations took place. They saw how they basically took them for all they were worth. And they were like, you know what? We're not doing that again. We're yeah. not. <laughs> and I don't, I don't hold Gal or Patty. You know, it's, that's not their fault for actually keeping their best interest no, there. Not necessarily, but you know what? I'm, I'm actually pissed Are they supposed at the to be altruistic and hope that this giant company that I keep like feeling dirty for defending is going to, if they make the altruistic move and I'm saying, well, what if we're easy on you? Do you trust them to do that? No, fuck that. Yeah. Look, man, I would you know, literally I... rather take my money and send a check to Will Smith if I were her. Yeah. Because then at least I would be in charge of the equity of the situation. <laughs> I feel bad a little bit, but the, the, the guy that I can't, I don't know his name. I can't say his name. Dennis Villeneuve or whatever his name is. The guy that directed Blade Runner 2049. A yeah, film I, I have yet to see. This week and I, I just, I can't either right now. Again, I have yet head injury. I have yet to, yet to see Blade Runner 2049. I own it. I, uh, <laughs> I have not always want to laugh at people. Like, well, I got it. Just haven't gotten around to it. Well, okay. Look, you know, I was, look, dude, I've heard I've got, such good I've, things. I've got three feet. If I stacked them of books that I haven't read that I've bought. I know. I'm, I've got I more feet judging. than that. It just makes I've me got, laugh. I've got more feet than that in books and more feet than that in, in Blu-rays. <laughs> um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't like, I never liked Blade Runner. Apparently I was talking to Scott McClellan over on DC film Squadcast a few years ago when 2049 came out mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a sucker for sequels. And uh, he was giving it so much praise. And I said, I've never liked Blade Runner, but I don't also don't know what version I was supposed to watch. I watched the director's cut. And he's like, no, 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 don't watch the director's cut. Watch the final cut. Okay. Because mm-hmm. there's like 10 cuts of freaking Blade Runner. So I've, I just, when it, when, the, when, it time came, when the time came, I bought Final Cut on Blu-ray for some cheap price. And then they also had 2049 on sale because the movie did not do well. Mm-mm. Yeah. It did not do well. You know why they gave him Dune? Because he can make pretty shit for niche audiences that no one will watch. (laughs) I don't know why he's upset. He should be thankful anyone let him make a movie in the first place. Now, that's not a statement on his artistic. I've never seen anything the man has made. 
his stuff looks beautiful that I've seen. Just saying the but return so far, on investment he, wasn't there. But so far, he hasn't performed. Yeah. So as far as I can tell, he hasn't performed. And I don't know anyone who cares about Dune. Except for my brother. Him, I'm, I'm willing to I roll mean, with you on this. I, I know I know Tim and Scott from Squadcast like Dune and have read it. And I've never made it five pages in to the no, book. No, I've never um, tried the book. I've ne- <laughs> I own it. My brother-in-law has read it. He enjoyed it, but he never Could read any of the sequels. It's not like I don't like the genre and I don't know, man. It, 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 it's just never, I've never tried it. I liked the uh, the sci-fi miniseries from like 2003 or so. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 and I'll admit, I will admit, the trailer looks fantastic. It looks like the type of shit that I would love, honestly. Um, I'm not sure it's got a mainstream appeal though. Maybe not, and we'll see. But um, you know, it, it just annoys me. You know, him him taking such uh, such a problematic approach to all this. Um, yeah, yeah. There's so yeah, uh, and apparently some some of the talent agencies uh, are meeting with litigators to take action against Warner Brothers. <laughs> Good luck. No, oh, no, it's no. I mean, that's fine. D- do your damage, burn your bridges. But at the end of the day, you guys will come back in 10, 15 years when you realize, oh, everyone's going to streaming. I don't even think it's going to be like a it won't be burn your bridges thing necessarily. I think there's <laughs> going to be a little bit of a backlash. Like. I don't, I mean, just based on the tenor of even the conversation we've had right now, I don't think there there are a lot of people that are facing some of the realities of like, look, your contracts are kind of void. Sorry, shit changed. It, things are different right now. And they're different in a way that we didn't expect this to happen. They're not different in a way that it wasn't kind of trending there anyway. It's just a precipitating factor has happened. So I don't know how well they're going to do in litigation. Mm-hmm. I, I and unfortunately, because it's the way things are, like the better you do in litigation, probably the worse you're going to do later on as, you know, someone trying to get work. That's just the nature of that fucking industry. And it's not right, but it is accurate. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah but I, there's some part of me doesn't hold it against them. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. You're pissed. I get it. You're, you're allowed to pursue legal action. I, I think a lot of them will come around, to be honest. Yeah. I think they just got blindsided. A, a lot of these people, even Nolan, man, it might just come around and. Three months from now, I'm reading a headline. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I, I think he gets it. Now, look, Nolan was on the uh, NPR program, All Things Considered. Mm. And this is where he really starts to like, I don't know, try to pull the Mother Teresa act. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, the host, Ari Shapiro, asked him if he was satisfied with how he learned of the decision. Uh, <laughs> like, no. Um, and he says, the economics... Of it are unsound unless you're purely looking at movements in share price, number of eyeballs on the new streaming service. Theatrical is really only one part of what we're talking about here. You're talking about your home video window, your secondary tertiary windows. These are things very important to the economics of the business and to the people who work in the business. And I'm not talking about me. I'm not talking about Ben Affleck. I'm talking about the grips, the electricians who depend on IA and IA residuals for pension and health care. I'm talking about SAG. I'm talking about actors. I'm talking about when I come on the set and I'm going to shoot a scene. I feel like with, with your delivery, I don't have to guess how annoyed you I know. are. <laughs> I'm pretty annoyed. Uh, you know, a waiter or a lawyer who has three li- two or three lines, they need to be earning a living in that profession, working maybe sometimes a couple of days a year. And that's why the residual structure is in place. That's why the unions have secured participations for people down the line. Uh <laughs> 
He says, uh, by using them as leverage for a different business strategy without first figuring out how those new structures are going to work, it's a sign of great danger for the ordinary people who work in the industry. There is a danger with that that needs to be addressed through appropriate negotiation with unions, with talent, and all the rest. There are an enormous number of questions that come out of that about the economic structure that allow working people in Hollywood to maintain, you know, their lives and raise their families and have health care and all the rest. And I'm saying these are all things that haven't yet been thought through, and they need to be. Oh, they it's have. Very, they have. You just weren't paying attention. It's very important that everyone, everybody remember the exhibition business provides hundreds of thousands of jobs for ordinary people. And my work has only ever got out there in the world because of the hard work of people working in those businesses. They need to be taken into account as we're looking at how our work is shown and where it's shown and how the business moves forward. Dude, okay, your little, your precious dude who has the waiter character who has two lines and has to live on that a year. Brother, they're not living on that a year. They got jobs. They have part-time jobs. They have full-time jobs, some of them. They're working outside of their the, while they're doing their side hustle trying to act and make it big yeah. they don't have that dude served you coffee three weeks later and you didn't even recognize him they do not have the fucking luxury that you do nolan <laughs> to sit in your castle and hug your money like dave Chappelle in that gift that i saw so many times being used to describe you like they are out in the world like dragging their ass to work every day in things that aren't their profession they're a chosen profession they're creative dude like no no who, who has that luxury but people like you nolan like it just oh my god it just pisses me off like trying to make it about that and you're like dude you don't think there are grips on netflix productions <laughs> hell do you think all the grips get to work on nolan films all the time like yeah. these people go to the next job they don't care if it's netflix they don't care if it's hbo max they these people are just doing what they got to do to survive yeah it it i'm sorry it just pisses me off <laughs> i yeah pulling that card doesn't make any sense and it seems god like everything he said in the last couple of weeks and it, it just seems so fucking tone deaf it's tone deaf and it's also incredibly um just like what was the term Oh, and by the way, my favorite part of this out of is touch. how he, it's out of touch. Oh, it's very out of touch. But it seems like my favorite, my favorite part of that is where he started, where he's talking about like the economics are not this and this and this, but they're also this and this and this. And he, he basically says like, well, it's not just like the stock market value and how well the films are doing, but it's also, you know, the, uh, the subcategories of blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That all actually add up to the fucking P and L sheet of that movie. Like. The, the the economics that you named when you said these are not the economics are the actual fucking economics. Mm-hmm. Like literally, did the film make money? Because basically, film producers are venture capitalists, and and two, you are a publicly traded company. Like that still matters right now. Because the other thing that's by the way a real thing is if and here's the part where I'm like, again, I I just I keep feeling so dirty, but. If, <laughs> if this it's giant, a business. Their job is not to sit there and stroke an artist's dick until he comes onto a piece of paper. No, it's, 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 it's just not. It, Their business. And then let the editor rearrange it into letters. No, it's not that way. With <laughs> <laughs> I suppose a toothpick and a cotton swab. You you don't like the economics are are exactly those. They're economics, and it's a company. And, and hey, here's the here's the crazy part, like. He knows how to talk about quarters and, and 
stuff like that. And he, he knows certain terms and disruptors and sub-industries and all that. So take into account, like, eventually, if your company doesn't do well enough, you're going to let go of a, a large number of people that are attached to that company. And maybe now you're not talking about grips and, and sound editors and caterers and all this stuff that, yeah, like on a personal level, of course, we all know that's that's tragic. It's it's a tragic time. And of course, we all feel that, that that's a real thing and it affects people. But maybe you're not necessarily talking about those people being dislodged. Now you're going to transfer it over to like people in the Warner Brothers office that are going to be dislodged because of this and that and whatever, because the economics are not going to support them. Like the, the bottom line is like if the price gets down low enough and the top line's not there to suggest that the price is going to pick up. Like, if there's no forward movement and forward growth, you're, you're going to lose people. Like hemorrhage them, really. Mm-hmm. People are going to be jobless. It, it doesn't, you can't just say like, well, we can't just pay attention to that and just pay attention to your people. It, everyone's affected by this ecosystem. Yep. Every last fucking person. We are affected by this ecosystem. Sure. We don't have a Patreon page if there's not a fucking ecosystem. It, it's, it's far and widespread. I say that you've told me to go pee. Yes. Uh. All right, back. All right, let's, let's get to what AMC said on December 11th. Uh, the company issued new public documents today announcing that because executives can't predict what the supply of movies will be like, and it's unclear if people will even file into theaters again soon, the company is unsure of how much money it can make. Okay, so um, if you take out the part where, he said, where they say that uh, executives can't predict what the supply of movies will be like, you're left with it's unclear if people will even file into theaters again soon. That was mm-hmm. already that was already there. Mm-hmm. That was already there. Um, because file into I, I feel like it's yeah, just, uh, specifically not going to be a thing. Yeah. So if that wasn't a thing, being clear, or if it, if it was already unclear if people would be able, would be going to theaters again, and AMC says they didn't know what what that what number was. Would it be reasonable to assume WB couldn't trust that people would come back to theaters either or know when people would be able to come back to theaters? I think it would be unreasonable not to assume that. Okay. Again, Uh, I'm feeling dirtier as we talk. mm -hmm. Specifically, AMC's documents note that executives can't know when the – with the certainty, the impact of the Warner Brothers announcement or any similar announcements – regarding the release of movie titles concurrently to the home video or streaming markets. So that that's basically them like warning Disney and everybody else. Like, well, it's not looking good y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, how long was everyone supposed to like, all right. So in the previous statement, you know, we, we can't guarantee anything. Well, how long was Warner Brothers supposed to front the bill until we could guarantee something? If anything, they, they actually, you know, had the gumption to be like, we can't do this, everyone. We can't do this. It's over. Let's I, find a new way. They delayed a $1 billion movie sequel for a year or at mm-hmm. least nine months. Like, assuming, and granted, I'll give them this, like, in November, they didn't know. 
and I mm-hmm. think it was March was the next date. Kind of new. By June, we fucking knew. Like six months minimum and beyond. Like yeah, we like you delayed what is probably going to be another billion dollars top line, just box office return or whatever. Um, come on, how long is that supposed to go on before you eventually have to do something with the thing sitting on your shelf rotting? Mm-hmm. Um, AMC is facing. They say AMC is now face, facing challenges that have been exacerbated by Warner Brothers move. Last week, Warner Media announced that uh, Warner Brothers will release his movies all on the same day. He says, uh, let's see. Uh, Aaron said that Warner Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability in order to subsidize HBO Max. As for AMC, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. And they were already doing that. That's why we paid $45 for three kernels of popcorn. I know. And Chappick says- They never made uh, mo- like money on the movies. They haven't for years. And, yeah. And Chappick says, we had $13 billion at box office last year. Obviously, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's last year, buddy. You guys have got to stop like jerking off over your figures last year because that shit is over. The world is a different place today. It just is. Yeah. I'm sorry. I truly am. I hate wearing a mask, but I do it. <laughs> this is not where I expected to be right now myself. But, man, I mean. And what, they're, they're all talking like Warner Brothers is not releasing in theaters the same day. And they're all singing the same piracy bullshit. Uh, like, piracy has been around forever. No, the, people who, yeah. the people who pirate shit are, still, are the people who are going to, like, download a cam of it. Yeah. They don't care. They and just, most of them don't. Yeah, it's a few will. You're not getting quality outright. I mean, you you there are ways you can get relative quality, but you can't. It's it, you're never gonna get. Well, I say that you can get a 4K version of some stuff, but it's it's gonna be a rip. It's gonna be weird. It's it's not gonna be right. Mm-hmm. You, the audio gonna, will be off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it may have subtitles or captions in a different language or something. You like, and I have spent some time in international waters. I mean, look. <laughs> I do know <laughs> way more about that than I'm willing to say. But, but it's not going to be the same. Like, yeah, piracy had an effect. I And I genuinely think the reason that streaming is such a thing now is is because of piracy. And that came for better or worse. Like, if you look at artists, you know, Spotify is not paying them shit, really. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a disgrace. Uh, they have no bargaining power. They're given uh, just whatever they can be given. It's, it's the smallest possible amount. But it's, in some ways, the only way to get your music into uh, people's ears, frankly, mm-hmm. and to build a thing. And a lot of that came down to, like, the live platform. But again, that was – it was not necessarily the pirate's fault in, in the sense that, you know, you used to go to Coconuts on a Tuesday and, and spend 24 fucking dollars for 12 tracks and, yep. you know, a list of the four members involved for the CD. Like, it, it just got to a point where, like – Now I always, feel, I always felt ripped off when there weren't actual liner notes. Yeah, there were like and, and I'm not trying lyrics to lyrics and stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm really not trying to be all pious about like, oh, you should have given us a fucking everything should have been the white album and there's a spread out sheet and four posters and shit. That's not the thing. It's it's that the record It's a little bit of a thing for me. A little bit. But sure, <laughs> I, but you could buy deluxe versions of stuff even then. Mm-hmm. Like the basic stuff, the basic expectation of the uh, industry at some point became like, well, we can charge you this amount and you're going to pay it and it's going to come out on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're not even going to pay the artists at this point to actually come record it properly and, and get what they wanted out of it, uh, you know, intellectually and creativity or creatively. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, basically no one's going to be happy, but we're going to still make a bottom line. 
And this was a disruptor for a good reason, because that was not a sustainable thing. The, like the internet came about, you could have done stream, you could have done, uh, what's the what's the title? You could have done title. You could have just released ex like exclusively on certain formats if you wanted to. You could do mm -hmm. SoundCloud, if you, you could do a Patreon page where you just are an artist and you pay to actually be there, whatever. There, there are versions of a number of things that you could do, but the, it was not a sustainable format. Mm -hmm. Hilariously enough, now vinyl's big because... Yeah, spoiler alert, it actually does sound really good when you have good equipment and it breaks less easily and skips less easily than CDs. So and we're back just to the saying, original fucking format. You just saying that reminds me of the Mark Maron bit where he's where Jack White is trying to convince him to spend what was it, twelve thousand dollars on a on a tube amp? I was big. I was like, I just I just don't know if it sounds like twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, no matter what, he's gonna be disappointed. He yeah. just can't he can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know if I'm gonna get the dopamine out of this. <laughs> that doesn't sound like twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I really did fill in on that. I, I get it. Oh, absolutely. All right. So here's the portion of the show. <laughs> where, I'm afraid uh, now, given the context. Go ahead. Now look, this, this is going to be the bit where the stars who are actively promoting a movie mm -hmm. uh, say the good things about Warner Brothers, but I don't believe it. Ah, okay. Now let's see if you if you notice the. Notice the, the similarities in these statements. I'm going to try to chime in with one word answers as best as possible. Go ahead. <laughs> Gal Gadot tells Digital Spy, look, if you would have told me a year ago that that's going to be the case, talking about releasing it same day, I would flip out and be super angry. But the truth of the matter is we just didn't have other better options. We felt like we were sitting on this movie for such a long time. We shot the movie in 2018. We started promoting the movie in 2019. We pushed the movie four times. We felt like the movie was so relevant to what's happening in the world right now that you come to a place at a certain time where you're like, okay, I just want people to watch the movie. Then she says the idea of having people be able to watch the movie on a Christmas morning just warmed my heart. Mm. Like I said, she's in the eye of the storm promoting this thing. Uh, she was given a my, huge amount of my money. My one word reaction is tardy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then Patty says to Sirius XM, if you had told me a year ago <laughs> that we would ever go straight to streaming in any way, shape, or form, I would have flipped out. <laughs> like, I'm not for that plan in general. I'm very pro-theatrical release, and I will be that again as soon as this is over. However... This is such a crazy year. All of us are trying to figure out with our lives how to do everything the best we can. And so I kept saying, there is no good option. Like when we would talk about it, there was no good option. Wait, until when? And then every movie in the world tries to come out at the same time. There was no good option. Then she says, I literally gasped a little bit when the pitch for this idea was said because I was like, oh, the idea of it going into people's homes on Christmas Day. <laughs> mm. And even I am thirsty to see the tone of it now. Like I just want to escape. I want to watch a movie that just takes me away a little bit. Something about that plan felt so right that I just was like, that's actually pretty incredible to get to share the holiday season in this moment to just try to reach people however they could see it. I'm so grateful. I make films best of communion with audiences. That's the, that's the point. And that is, uh, and this is it on such a heightened level. Is it me or do those sound very similar? Like they oh, were given they were, talking they were points talking and they points. said it in their own, yeah. in their own words. Yeah, it warms sure. my heart. Oh, the Christmas. Oh, the Christmas. Christmas day release into the homes of the children. Oh. <laughs> I feel like there, I feel like there's, 
you know, early placement on just just saying like, oh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we we've come to terms with whatever's going on, and then there's this aggrandizement later that's like, you're not wrong. It's not like I don't enjoy the fact that I'm going to watch this movie on Christmas and probably find it a very heartwarming experience. I'm I'm looking forward to the film. It's no, this to me is stressful. I'm like, you know how much shit I got to do around Christmas, and you're gonna make me Ugh, okay. Oh no, I'm I'm actually gonna get a gap to go to actually sit down and watch this movie, and I'm yeah. gonna be super excited about it. Yeah, I'm gonna be like cramming it into my eye holes solo because my wife won't definitely won't have time to watch it. Yeah. Um, and then jumping on a cast to record with you so that I can finish up all the other bullshit I got to do before I go out of town for a week. Right. Because the holidays are a shit show for most people. Yeah. Uh, one, one family famously left a child at the house on a travel mm-hmm. adventure for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think there was a I whole series of films about, about it. Yeah, there was two. <laughs> I think there were more. They just weren't. They weren't about him. Yeah. It, 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 but it's that third one did have ScarJo in it, a little baby ScarJo. Did it? It did. Holy shit! Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you have access to me and my dementia? <laughs> <laughs> I've never knelt to it, but I have been very appreciative. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a quote from Seinfeld, <laughs> one of my favorites. I, I I do genuinely have moments where I'm like, I would not have thought to Google that. <laughs> all right we'll get to Zack snyder oh beloved Zack snyder oh mm. <laughs> man god among us mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry i'm saying that in jest because he is just a person our own wanna personal re- uxus want to remind everyone he is just a person mm. <laughs> uh zach though says uh it, about the <laughs> the same day release on hbo max it felt like a pretty bold move and that maybe the implication wasn't 100% thought out. I feel like there's a lot of people panicking during COVID. I hope that in the end, that's what this was, some sort of knee jerk to COVID and not some sort of greater move to disrupt the theatrical experience. I thought we were kind of already getting very close to the ideal theatrical window where you still had marketing material out there and you hadn't forgotten about the film by the time it came out on DVD or streaming. I thought we were starting to hone in on that sweet spot, but this kind of throws a monkey wrench in the works. That is like the most level-headed thing I've ever heard anyone say, though. To be to be honest, like I mean, it, he, it he, is in a way, and in, in, in other ways, I'm like, what do you think there was like a cabal? Like, no, would, no, I think he was just like, dude, COVID, Bono, man, COVID screwed it up. I don't know. This yeah, might be I a mean, knee-jerk reaction. Hopefully, it'll go back to some degree. I, I do think uh, what you said from the uh, network or the executive guy earlier about like it exacerbated a thing. That that's still that is still just my take on. On this mm-hmm. whole process in general, exacerbated what I think was already going to be a problem. We just moved it ahead a little bit. Catalyst. Yeah. And uh, finally, back to Patty mm-hmm. <laughs> in a statement that actually pisses me off really a whole lot mm. on doing Wonder Woman three. She says, "We'll see what happens." I really don't know this. This to the New York Times, by the way. Uh, they asked if she had we would come back for Wonder Woman three after Rogue Squadron. And she says, I know that I'd love to do the third one if the circumstances were right and there was still a theatrical model possible. I don't know that I would if there wasn't. I would like to believe that this is temporary, but I'm not sure I do. But I'll tell you, some studio is going to go back to the traditional model and cause tremendous upheaval in the industry because every great filmmaker is going to go work there. And the studios that make this radical change of moving their theatrical releases to a streaming service, particularly without consulting the artists, will end up with a very empty slate of quality filmmakers working there. Uh, fucking bye. Patty. I do, Patty. I, I, Patty. Mm. Patty. 
I really like you. I like a lot of the output I've seen. I've enjoyed the films. Just makes me so angry. That mouse lied to you. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Feige was just talking about like, I mean, clearly streaming is where people want to watch movies. And then he like backpedals and says some shit about, I mean, when, you know, have them in theater and some blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how far that takes you. We'll see how far that goes because even without the pandemic, this was happening. This was going to happen in 10, 15 years. Oh, it might've been double digits, but there was just, dude, I mean, there were like entertainment venues are, there are things you can do that you can't do other, like you can watch a movie at your house. You can't go bowling at your house. Yeah, there's there are tangible differences that I think are going to have taken effect over a certain amount of time. I can comfortably watch a movie in my house for a 4K fucking television that I bought for four hundred dollars, which is, by the way, the cost of taking, a you know, a man, woman and two children out to the movies twice. Yep, One time cost, period. Outright. The cost of going out twice. I can buy the exact same quality frankly better in some capacities depends on where you're actually watching the movie Mm -hmm. i can get that at home in a in a screen that's so big that i'm not actually like you're worried about where to put it in your home to frame it correctly Mm -hmm. and then you're just you're i i seriously i feel like we're just degrading some of the creative experience so much right now and and it's not that. It's really not that. Like the creative experience is important. And it is the entire reason, by the way, that this industry exists. It's just that if you cannot pivot, sometimes when things happen, you do not get to keep happening. You know, that I, is the major thing for me. I don't like one of the things I really liked about stuff like YouTube and TikTok and all of that shit is that it gives creative people an outlet. All right. Not everyone, but the vast majority of people are not given the opportunity to work for, you know, some big studio that's got to stick their shit into the theater and, you know, just to, to, to snivel and threaten a studio. My stuff's going to be seen with the stupid skin. Well, hold on, hold Speakers on. In the, I, I get that take. Give a shit, I get dude. it. I just don't give a shit. Like, I get it. I also of- give them this though. Like if there's a bit of entrapment, like if, if you're in that position, you worked your entire life probably. Yeah. No one gets lucky and gets that far. You need luck no. to have gotten that far. And also you put in an extraordinary, insane amount of effort. Most Absolutely. Of the time. Absolutely. I get that you get that far in and the game has changed and you're mad about it. I get it. Well, th- but this Doesn't comes off it. as like the people who were back in the day, the directors who were pissed off at the talkies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's talkies. The live music in a the theater being, you know, the, the worlds are being replaced by a soundtrack. One of the people who are pissed off at color televisions. Like, dude. Oh, it takes away from the imagination. Okay. That's just, you sound like an author who's mad that books aren't as big of a thing because TV exists. Literally novels were like villainized when they came out. Vilified? Villainized? Same. I'm vilified probably, but yeah. Vilified um, probably. Look, I'm sorry if I'm coming off as, as a dick, you know, especially when these people still have the opportunity to be on a streaming service to have, you know, their shit top of mind on the front page of a major streaming service. Uh, no, in that you sense, know, you worked that hard. You got a little bit lucky. You made it this far, and you can still actually matter. Yes, it's just people that the who game create a little bit. People who create without a studio backing, and I include ourselves in this. We have several videos on YouTube, like sure, hun- uh, almost two hundred videos, um, or I do. Right, <laughs> but that's probably accurate. <laughs> 
I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they're anywhere near the level of Patty Jenkins. I'm just saying, you know, we we've done, I, I know I've done over 700 episodes of podcasts. Do you think I've ever had the, the level of distribution that a Patty Jenkins has, has ever had? Yeah. I mean, I hate to, to burst the bubble of the creatives who definitely are not listening to this podcast, <laughs> but you know, I'm not sitting yeah, there we're not watching the hearts of, of those. No, people. I'm not sitting there watching wonder woman, 1984 on my 4k television and going, you know what? I can really tell the difference between this and the big screen. I know. All yeah, I'm doing I'm, is sitting there going like, I'm glad I'm not having a panic attack because there are like three guys next to me kicking the back of my seat. Yeah. yeah. And farting and talking about how they want to have sex with Gal Gadot. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like, oh, good. I can pause it to pee. Like, I'm not having a, I'm not stressing out over the fact that like, I've got to like figure out for the first time what scene is not going to be important so I can go take a piss. <laughs> and then finding out later it was integral and you just didn't notice it. Yeah, like I, I just don't care, and I understand lots of people do, and they want that theatrical experience. But man, have you seen these these commercials for like the sling watch parties where you can literally watch movies and TV shows with your family members and friends, and have like their faces on the screen watching the same thing you are, and like have conversations with them at the same time? Like watch parties are a thing. This communal bullshit where like the theatrical experience. No, if someone's talking in the middle of the movie theater, all you want to do is tell them to shut the hell up. Yeah. No, I mean, and if you are those type of people, do your watch party. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I don't like these little like snarky snippy threats from Patty Jenkins or any of these other filmmakers, because there are like uh, millions of people who would love to be in their position. And I've seen so many fantastic filmmakers on YouTube, not counting myself. I'm not talking about myself here. I want you to understand. I think my stuff is shit, but I have known people and I have talked to people. This is not a matter of resentment. This is no very different issue. And I've moved on from that dream anyway, for the most part, but (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I, I, I have said for years, I do. I, I would love to tell stories in a, in a visual medium. I would not want to do it in Hollywood. I want no part of Hollywood. I, I don't, I detest old Hollywood. And this one of those things has killed me is, you know, some of these, uh, these agents have talked about, well, and Sarnoff and, and Jason Kyler, they don't understand how Hollywood works and they're all about business. Good. Hollywood is a shit system. We don't need people sitting around sucking each other's dicks in meetings and talking about like, oh, well, if we do this, you'll do this. No, they need to look at the business and go, oh, this is what needs to happen. And all of you fat cats need to go stick a ham up your ass. Well, there were there were two things. One, it was a shit system and, you know, the people talking about, oh, the money doing this. Well, the people that had the money, the whole reason this fucking existed. Like, I, I'm very sorry about this, but that. That is the entire reason that these things ever get mounted is because someone has, again, it's venture capitalism. Your, your entire studio can go under because you invested too heavily in two or three movies that tanked. You're done. It's over. Bounce. Take it. Take a take a hit. Take a couple of years off and, and, you know, rehab your image and try again. You're done. Uh, dude, I'm way more apt to trust someone who says, look, we want to make the fans happy because business. Cool. Then some that. some fat old white dude smoking a cigar and getting a massage from some girl he intends to screw in a, like five minutes, you know, talking about like well, all that's the, the pussy they're going to get when like, this movie gets into the theater. It's not I mean, like this was a harmless system. It's, just, oh my God. We, we, we needed an entire like social movement to actually keep track of 
how many people were accountable when we decided to finally actually start holding people accountable Mm -hmm. because the tide broke and uh, you know, the, the big piece of shit at the top finally wasn't able to hold his weight anymore and it fell. And we were like, Oh my God, all these people, uh, we, we, frankly, we should have been paying attention the entire time, but still like, it's not, this is, here's, here's my problem overall. If, if you want to say the system works, that's great, except you have to accept its flaws as well and tell me why the system works on its face. I don't know if you can explain that to me in a way that I'm going to appreciate. What you have to explain to me instead is why you think maybe that the system is how it is and could be better and here's what we're doing. And I don't feel like a lot of people are doing that except maybe, and this is where I get dirty again, I feel so dirty the last few episodes, um, <laughs> is the streaming services are... Stepping in and saying, well, I think I know this way uh, that we can still keep doing this. Because, again, the other thing is, like, the apple sits on the shelf, man. It, you, it rots. You don't get to hand it over to another studio. It's not pristine. The top, uh, the clock is ticking. You you can't, like, think you have to actually sell the thing you made. And if you can't do that, you have cash flow to worry about. And, by the way, like, Warner Brothers being part of AT&T gives it a whole new series of cash flow to deal with like business wise you've got a a whole nother set of revenue you can maybe play with but whatever you've Mm -hmm. got you've got a little bit of elasticity and some allowance that you didn't have before but what you do not have is a solid plan for how this goes forward with the old model and until you can tell me why the old model is still going to work and when it's going to start working you have to accept that we're moving forward and all these people that are just bitching about how it's not moving forward in a way that they were expecting are behind the eight ball Mm mm-hmm and there's a lot of, I'm willing to extend just all kinds of personal, you know, you didn't see this coming. I know you invested a lot in this. There's all kinds of stuff that like on a personal level, I completely get it. You, you put your heart and soul into this. It's not how you saw it going. I'm sorry. Welcome to the fucking 2020 club. And by the way, this is not just me being an entitled fan going, I just want to see the movie because honestly, I don't, I don't care. I don't care anymore about Wonder Woman 1984. Like I got excited again, but now she's pissed me off enough. I don't care. Also, <laughs> also there's the whole there. thing. I mean, I, Oh, I'm separating a, it a little well, bit. Well, I guess because of all this going on, she's also talked about how like, well, this movie isn't exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be a little slower paced, but they did, you know, you can't really do that these days. And now she's also come out and talked about how, uh, the See, whole that's third act. Something that's an, an argument you could have had before this era. Right. And now there's like this whole thing where she's talking about like, well, the original, the first wonder woman movie, they made me change the whole third act. And I'm like, okay. So you told me, you told me and everyone else that the, the only thing they wanted to change was the no man's land sequence. And then you fought them and you won. So the movie's exactly what you wanted. And now you're saying in the, in the era of Snyder cut being a thing, you're saying, well, it wasn't what I wanted. And I'm no, just going to tell you right now, I don't want a Jenkins cut of either movie. I'm sick of I'll this give shit. it this though, like, yeah, it's it's easy to be sick of. Like, I'll give it this though, like, you, and there are people definitely angry on on Twitter and stuff saying release the Jenkins cut, angry faces and shit. I'm like, it's got to end. They don't own the IP. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just sorry. There's Zack that. Snyder does not own Justice League as much as we wanted to say Zack Snyder's Justice League. He doesn't own it. I like yeah. Zack Snyder. I want to see his vision because I'm interested. And if Patty does one, I'll watch it. I don't know that I'll like it any more than the original, which was, you know, tepid to me. It was okay. It was pretty good for the most part, except for a few places that just kind of went, Meh. but you know, <laughs> look, I'm, I just, I really, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it except for a couple of but it's still just, 
there there were only a couple of ways. I thought it was a pretty solid film front to back, and, and I'd be happy to see like variations of the film outright. The I I just the one thing I'll balk at is like I don't think it's that weird for people to go back and and say like well I had this version that uh you know I I I I don't know man I you come up with so many versions of a thing when you're putting it out like that it it you know two and a half hours of whatever footage it, yeah there's probably things that you didn't want to kill you know your darlings I think she said yeah I mean no no one makes a movie without a million compromises yeah. It's like, have you ever seen movies with Mikey? That dude says it perfectly. You know, making a movie is like throwing a dart from space. Yeah, I genuinely agree with that take. Like, you have an idea. There's a series of hurdles. You see how close you can get to the idea. And by the way, here's the fun part. Your idea may not have been the best idea. So now you have to, you know, skate ramp down on one side and see how that works out for you and come back. And maybe that was too far. Maybe when you go back to another way and, and try this over here, we're, we're going to base jump now. We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, no, that was definitely too far. All right. Uh, so you know, what if we just ice skate for a while? I, I, I'm going to piss people off. We're going to lose listeners because of what I'm about to say right now. <laughs> if they release the Ayer cut, you will not get a David Ayer's original vision. David Ayer's original vision had the freaking new gods, had Steppenwolf showing up, and it was definitely more of a transition into Justice League. Okay. Next time you watch Batman v Superman, understand that Metallo was supposed to be in that movie. Yeah. He was not in that movie. Doomsday was not going to be in that movie. He had an entirely different plan. That changed because someone leaked it to Kevin Feige, as is my understanding. Uh, So things change. Things change. They do. Snyder didn't get to, hasn't gotten to tell his whole story and will never be able to tell his whole original story. And even so, there are thousands of people working on these movies and nothing is going to be 100% what was in that man's head. It's just no, not. And nor should it be necessarily. Everyone's going to, like, no one's, it's just so rare for someone to have a perfect concept, you know? Some of the I process mean, is a good thing. Even, even, you know, Someone like Kevin Smith who talks about like, I wrote it with this in mind. And then at some point he has talked about like how he eventually had to like let go and let actors act and he might be blown out of the water and get something that he never would have expected. Yeah. And something that was better than what he had written. Like filmmaking is a collaborative process. And yes, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Some of it involves executives who might not know what the hell they're doing. But you know what? That worked to our advantage in Batman the Animated Series because we see what Bruce Timm and, and Paul Dini would do without those restrictions. I think it's mostly Tim that we have a problem with at this point. Well, no, I have a problem with Paul Dini now, I, too, I because of uh, Adventures Continue is just shit. It's just terrible comic. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. There is so much bullshit shoehorned in, and I can't help but wonder if they're just doing it to try to sell those action figures that are no longer even being made because AT&T shut that division down. But yeah, I'm just like, it's like every issue is just like, okay, we got Deathstroke. Oh God. Okay. There's Jean-Paul Valley. All right. We got Azrael up in here. All right. And oh, he just magically has now a Batman suit and he's running around with Batman in his like nineties nightfall outfit because you know, Bruce, of course, trained with St. Dumas. Okay. And just Jason Todd, no explanation for him being around, except that we just never mentioned it in all these years of Batman the Animated Series. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just stupid. It's just really shoehorned and bad. And I'm sorry to say it, and I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, Deanie did that. Bruce Tim is just, like, obsessed with fart jokes and, and 
Harley Quinn having sex with Nightwing in possibly a non-consensual manner, even though it seemed like it was pretty consensual. That, um, most of my problem was just <laughs> Bruce him sexualizing every character that he'd come in contact with. Yeah. I saw some, <laughs> I saw someone online just, oh, uh, complain about uh, some commercial or something sexualizing pregnant women. And I was like, why are you upset about that? I, I think someone's already sexualized them. <laughs> the evidence would suggest. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, well, and and what's the alternative? Are we supposed yeah. to say that pregnant women are inherently unsexy? That's bullshit. Are we saying that? Or are we saying that a man who wants to have sex with his pregnant partner is really trying to get the dick to the baby inside? Are we saying he's a pedophile? What is the what is the issue here? What exactly is the claim? Like you, you just pop in and and then once it's successful, you're like, well, we're good here for the next 12 months, right? because <laughs> you know you gotta heal and, uh, yeah i mean the bollocks argument about how you do it but you know anyway moving on let's let's get off all this shit uh Dear God, i don't even know how apparently here. I, right. I i don't know batman batman v superman's getting a remaster cool uh and uh you know a few years ago we were we were like oh hey people are saying it looks different on apple now and then they were like, oh, it's the HDR from the 4K, blah, 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 blah. Nope. Zach said he's going to fix it. <laughs> Zach said he's going to fix it. And also it's going to be, he, they are restoring the IMAX aspect ratio. So it's going to be the 4-3 like Justice League. Cool. His Justice League. So, um, yeah, I look forward to spending more money, I guess, <laughs> on that Blu-ray when it comes out. Um, <laughs> but... I will say this it's more evidence of HBO and WB being in the Zack Snyder business. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> They're going to throw him money to do that. I mean, may, maybe they didn't, but uh, they'll release it. They will. Maybe not even it. him, but his, the team that it was released to. Yeah. Somebody got paid money. Yeah. Whether Zack is paying or I'm sure somebody's doing it. Yeah. Money was spent. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. So, um, it's official justice league Snyder cut movement has raised over half a million dollars for suicide prevention. So good on everyone who participated in that. Uh, I do want to mention Zack Snyder has been on a ton of streams this week. And I looked at that schedule and despite, you know, aside from my own relative level of disinterest, mm -hmm. because like I said, he's just a man and there's only so much he can actually say, no, there's just so Man, much time in the day and eventually I know, looked at that list. I looked at that schedule. It. I get that. I, I looked at that schedule and I said, even if each of these was just an hour, which I knew for sure because I'd already looked at it, I knew the the vodka stream, I knew film junkies bit was I knew that was two hours. Yeah. But just taking into account hourly, every every program, I looked at that and I said, That is more hours than I sleep in a week. Yeah. Yeah, there's some self-care that has to happen right now. No. <laughs> All the best that were. Like, yeah, I would I would love to go back and, and have the time to do that. But I, I, I don't have that time. I did watch Film Junkies, though. Scott and Tim were on there. Uh, you know, we're friends with those guys. Mm -hmm. And I was just so damn happy for Tim to actually get to speak to the man and, yeah. and ask him questions and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I did watch that one. 
I'm sorry. I had to watch it on fast because I didn't have that much time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, ain't had, I ain't had two hours, y'all. I get it. I've popped um, in for like questions when I could. Like I, I've literally yeah. skimmed and and no offense. I, I genuinely uh, am very, very happy for everyone who actually got Snyder involved. It's it, 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 that's really nice. But it, I just yeah. have not had time to go back and do all of it, too. It's great for them. And look, you know, if if for some reason you and I, I fully support you doing whatever you want to in this situation, if you want to somehow reach out to the man uh, when the Justice League stuff starts cranking up after Wonder Woman 84 and see if he'll pop on uh, or, you know, see if, you know, somebody can like go talk to the film junkie or somebody or, you know, get Scott to talk to the film junkie. I don't know how that would work. If you want to say, hey, we want to have Zack Snyder on the show, uh, I am fully supportive of you. For me, though, I don't give a shit. Like, I am like, you know, remember the Mitch Hedberg bit where he's talking about Peter Frampton? <laughs> mm, <I laughs> and, he do. t- and he says he doesn't really know what he would actually say to Peter Frampton. So he's on the set with Peter Frampton. He's like, hey, Peter Frampton, do you like toast? It is warm and delicious. <laughs> now get the fuck away from me, Frampton. I got nothing to say to you. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> I don't know what I would say to Zack Snyder. I really don't. I I asked him about the Man of Steel thing. I'm good. I don't know. I because you can't. You know, you don't want to be one of those guys that tries to like ask him stupid big questions. You no, know no, that yeah. you know that he can't answer. So it's all it's all relative do do? in that area of like what what can you actually talk about? Like it would be me that. being like, so Zach, uh, I still haven't watched uh, Guardians mm-hmm. of Gahul. Mm. What can you tell me about that film to make me put that Blu-ray on? Because I own it. I just haven't watched it yet because, you know, it's a bunch of owls. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're going to be like, so um, toast on rye, toast on wheat. Yeah. Like, it is a, th- well, I mean, hey, to be fair, they asked him pineapple on pizza. But, uh, mm. you know. I'm, not, and it's, I'm weirdly I, curious. Was there an answer? I don't remember it. Twitter fought about it for weeks. I'm only know. curious because like pineapple and pizza is, is just, you can piss so many people off so fast. Which is stupid because pineapple and pizza is good. It's actually really good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone who's abandoned us right now. And it's, it is best when you get it with like a salty component. Um, yeah, or actually, ham no. Yeah, you got to have a little ham, got to have a little pepperoni, but you we'll also- Jalapeno maybe. Yes, jalapeno, exactly. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I was going to say. You got to have a good mixture of of salty, savory, you know, and and spicy. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Um, yeah, it's absolutely integral. You can't overdo it on the pineapple. Definitely can't overdo it on the jalapeno. Absolutely not. But yeah, all that to say, I'm not opposed to Zack Snyder being on the show. I don't know what I would do with myself. Some of it is nerves. It and uh, probably 80, 80 to ninety percent of it is nerves. Like I would not <laughs> want him here because I wouldn't know what to say to the man. I'm just like, I don't, you know what? I don't, because in my heart of hearts, in my brain, in my logical brain, I would say, look, man, he's just a person. All right. And then I would be nervous the entire time and you would ask questions and I would be like in my head going, that's a stupid question, but I wouldn't <laughs> say it because it would undermine you in front of Zach. You'd just be like, I assume I'm going to roll with this. And then afterward, I'd be angry with myself for not asking more questions. Useful. <laughs> and then I'd be mad at myself and be like, you're stupid, Dave, because you didn't say, it's just too much. But I fully encourage you to do the do the legwork on this and get it in motion if you want. No, I'm good. I, I <laughs> feel if like can... if I was just – I told Scott this uh, last week. I feel like if I was just stuck <laughs> in an airport terminal with Zack Snyder, I felt like I would say like, hey, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to ask you. But fuck all that. Like, 
And then we would just talk about Soundgarden for 40 minutes. I would listen to you guys talk about Soundgarden. I don't know <laughs> shit about Soundgarden. <laughs> that would be where I'd go. I was like, why? <sighs> Your head always seems to go to like early 90s music. And I'm there for that. That's literally mm-hmm. when I was born and what I was there for. Yeah. So let's talk about this shit. Well, his head doesn't always go there. You know, there is the Bob Dylan. There is the Leonard Cohen. Oh, I know. That's that's he's, why it would be fun to do is I feel like he's got a pretty uh, decent uh, musical palette. Like it seems like he. Uh, you know he, what? I'm on board he now. Goes in, he goes a lot of places. Let's get Zach on the show and not talk anything about DC. Just Let's just talk about music. About music. The entire time? Yeah. Fuck yes. <laughs> I don't I don't want to, you know, you would round love to ask him about that one Bob Dylan song would keep you occupied for a, a, whatever his response time was. I feel like you'd be happy. I mean, you, you're such a fan of the man. I'm not that much though. You know what? And actually because of the film junkie stream, I actually no, lost I a little. Dylan. I, oh yes. Dylan. Yes. <laughs> uh, I lost a little bit of respect for Zach. Okay. Cause they asked about like what, what his favorite Christmas movie was. And he said, love actually. <laughs> and I was just like, how, 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 how this man <laughs> who's created such beautiful work. How? I I am always I understand how people who uh watch films in a certain way I understand how in a certain way it's perceived that way. And and I I kinda get it. And <laughs> and, and and on one hand I always want to say like, okay, can we talk about this? And then I, I Can we talk about this? <laughs> I want to rip it apart for two hours. Uh-huh. On the other hand, my favorite fucking Christmas movie is Scrooged, so I don't feel like I have any real standing here. What? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's totally, uh, you know. That uh, is my favorite Christmas movie. Yes, that's, it's not mine, but you know what? That's that's understandable. It's justifiable. You know, it's a fine thing. I don't know. I, like, I feel like for a lot of people, when the golf ball falls out of the back of the skull. <laughs> uh-huh. and, then, and then the mice kind of chase it a little bit. I feel like a lot of people tap out. Uh-huh. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying. For me, the, the it's it's ultimately a rewarding experience. Right. Yeah, I think mine is a nightmare before Christmas. Mm. I always get guff. Someone's always like, "Yeah, it's a Halloween movie." I'm like, "No, it's both." It is both. I watch it starts it on Halloween and and always enjoy it, but it's it's never mm-hmm. it, it doesn't hit me like I don't know, man. Scrooge is uh, it got to me at an early age. Mm-hmm. All nightmare did for me. It. I feel that I was late teens when I finally got around to Scrooged. Oh, that was somewhere early in my uh, psyche. And I like rediscovered it later and went, oh my God, I know every beat of this and I'm so happy to see it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I'm not, I'm actually like, I almost said, I'm just kidding about the, the love actually thing, but I'm not, I did lose a little respect for him, I think. And that's okay. No, that's, that's cool. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have to love everything the man loves. I mean, oh, for sure. No, I, I, I watched that movie one time and I laughed the entire time because I, I just, I just didn't have. I was confused about a lot of what was happening. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I'm not willing to go to go like go to the mat on this one. Why would you go to mat about it? Go to the mat on this one. Oh, I was about to say like he's he's he'll just want to make a podcast out of it and he's already got like 20 <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, not that. Um not Matt Carroll. Okay. Way 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 <laughs> back from that. I I I definitely would like I'm not going to argue about it if if there's uh, <sighs> Anyway, uh, point is, yeah, I'm, I'm not super enthused about the thing, and uh, that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, I think I think if you go back far enough and dig around, there there is uh, we do have a whole rant about love actually and how much we hate that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere probably in like the fourth hour of a five hour cast. Uh, really? 
So <laughs> anyway, uh, over on Cinema Blend's Real Blend, uh, Patty Jenkins was asked if she had watched the Theatrical Justice League to see how Diana was handled in the film. And uh, she said, the Justice League? No. I think that all of us DC directors tossed that out just as much as the fans did. But so also, you, I felt she's that... she's back. Mm-hmm. Also, I felt that that version contradicted my first movie in many ways. And this current movie, which I was already in production on. So then, what are you going to do? I was like, you would have to play ball in both directions in order for that to work. The only thing I've done, and have always tried to do, is... I knew when Zach was doing Justice League, where, we, where she sort of ends up. So I always tried, like... I didn't change her suit because I never want to contradict his films, you know, but yet I have to have my own films and he's been very supportive of that. And so I think that that justice league was kind of an outlier. They were trying to turn in one thing into another. And so then it becomes, I don't recognize half of these characters. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> See, that sounded so much more like, I don't know, familiar to me. Mm hmm. Like, especially then the comments about like, oh, the Christmas heartwarming, blah, blah, blah. No, mm-hmm. that sounded like Patty actually talking. Like a yeah, person. that sounded like a person I could like sit down and have a beer with. Mm hmm. Yep. All righty. So we're going to move on and talk about uh, Joe Manganiello. Uh, he says that picture I posted was of me with a mohawk and costume. Remember from a couple of weeks ago? Mm hmm. He says, I was happy to get that call from Zach. There's been so much disappointment over the past four years. There were probably seven different Deathstroke projects that were all canceled. So mm. when you keep getting that phone call over and over again, you have to let it go for your own sanity. But getting that call from Zach to put the suit back on, it was fun. It was weird because it's four years later. Four years later. But I had a, I'd had a lot of thoughts about all those four, those false starts about the character and what I wanted to do with the character. So when Zach called me up, I got to really put my stink on him in a few different ways that were very satisfying. <laughs> and he, uh, he does add that this new death stroke is a nasty, nasty dude. I mean, I, I dig all that. Yeah. Yeah. Now Zach said that, um, he, he said, uh, a piece of information nobody knows and everybody knows it now. It's been all over. The movie is insane and so epic talking about justice league and mm-hmm. it's probably rated R. That's one thing I think will happen that it will be an R rated version for sure. We haven't heard from the MPAA, but that's my gut. There's one scene where Batman drops an F-bomb. Cyborg is not really, is not too happy with what's going on with his life before he meets the Justice League. And he tends to speak his mind. And Steppenwolf is pretty much just hacking people in half. So the rating would be due to violence and profanity. Probably both. Sounds good. And, you know, everyone was upset. Oh, my Batman wouldn't drop an F-bomb. Eh, you're Batman. (laughs) Everybody's got a Batman. I accept all Batman. Sorry. I mean, your Batman maybe wouldn't, and there's plenty of media for that. But this is another kind of Batman, and yeah, it's cool. Did you see what uh, David Sandberg posted in response to this? Mm-mm. He grabbed the scene where where Batman asks Superman, "Do you bleed?" And he says, "He's like, do you beep?" <laughs> <laughs> and then Superman looks disgusted at him and flies off. And Batman goes, "You will." <laughs> <laughs> I love Sandberg. <sighs> yeah, that's good. We watched Shazam like yesterday and it was still pretty delightful. Good. Uh, now someone asked uh, Zack Snyder if uh, his Justice League will have a post credit scene. Quote the Snyder? No. <laughs> Quoteth. Quoteth the Snyder. Mm-hmm. Never more. <laughs> um, he told, he just casually dropped to a fan on Vero. Uh, they were talking about the theatrical justice league. And he says, I just hope I can wipe that version out of existence with what you see in March. 
So March. <laughs> and someone even asked him about that on one of these streams. And he was like, yeah, that's what we're, that's roughly what we're going for. And he did say on the film junkie stream that they, they were basically going to let wonder woman 84 do its thing. And then once it started kind of petering off, they're going to hit the justice league, uh, gong pretty hard. And, uh, that lines up with a March late March release. I would think. Yeah. Some marketing, all that. Yeah. March still sounds pretty good. He's funny though. He was, he was talking about like how he is AT&T. So he expects people to try to call, call their friends or whatever. And like a message come over instead of a ringtone talking about like, did you know Zack Snyder's justice league was coming to HBO max? (laughs) 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 He's like, I don't know. That might break some privacy laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is going to be a second trailer he mentioned and he told Grace Randolph it was going to be four minutes from four uh, four minutes from four hours of footage so uh, yeah that's nice. the thing one more trailer at least yeah that's the timing that'd be good well we'll get a hard date uh, pretty soon I imagine and he did on the on the film junkie cast he did talk about how he has spoken with Jim Lee about finishing it up in comics so that's interesting that sounds like no more plans for for or at the very least, you know, their tentative plans, nothing in stone. But then he also like described the story of how Joker killed Robin and how he wants to tell that story in comic book form. So, you know, I think we're definitely looking at a, an expansion happening in, in, in comic form and then maybe, you know, hopefully, you know, a season two or a uh, sequel or whatever, however there, cause there's been some, scuttlebutt that they might just release with all the new slates and stuff coming out on HBO or not slates with, with the new slate with all mm-hmm. the new movies coming out. They might just release it as one four hour behemoth and not do this TV series now. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. They could, they could do it over four weeks and I don't know, man, I, like something like Mandalorian is a pretty good example of how that's a lot of good hype over a few weeks. Mm-hmm. If, if you even in short bursts. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah, like something like the Injustice kind of format in a way that's, yeah, you get major products, but some like back explanation and catalog of what's going on. Uh, yep. I'm not opposed to that at all. Yep. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's not happening. Just, yeah, if we get adjunct, adjunct material, cool. Yeah, I'd be down. Uh, he also mentioned on, on Film Junkie's show, uh, that he would never want to do Patty or any other filmmaker the way he's been done. And he says that his movies are on the same continuity according to him, but he considers all the other films in their own universes free to contradict whatever he does, because that's what he loves about DC and what he thinks their strength is. So, you know, any Snyder fans out there don't go crying when that shit don't line up with what you want. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't that- be doing like you do calling people snakes and shit. That was a. <laughs> that wasn't just a possibility; it was a probability a while back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already happened in BVS. You know, she she hasn't been in the world in a hundred years. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. y'all. I know. Uh, Zach yeah. says he hasn't Aquaman. talked to David. It's gonna be yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Zach says uh, tell tells John Doe reviews that he hasn't talked to David Ayer about the Ayer cut, but I'm sure I will. He says I know him quite well. I've just been swamped, you know, because of COVID, but it's on my list of things to talk to him about. Why would it be on your list of things to talk to him about? <laughs> Unless it's like a thing HBO Max was like, hey, get with him. You're an executive producer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, like, I support any filmmaker who needs to get their vision of their movie or their vision sort of seen because I've had, you know, such generous support. So I really would hope that other people would get that same thing. Cool, man. 
Oh, sure. Um, you know, like I said, I feel bad now because I said the thing about I don't want the the Jenkins cut. And I don't, but I watch it. Like, I am curious, I guess, in some regard to see, like, what the original Wonder Woman was. I mean, I don't want to have, like, a whole thing about it, though. I don't want to, like, be mired in angry bullshit on Twitter for another three years. Well, that's where we have to separate ourselves a little bit. Like, no, I don't want to be mired. Uh, I would prefer this be uh, a better process. And, you know, what's happened recently open up, uh, opens up avenues that maybe it can be. But I'm not at all opposed to just the all-tour vision of the whole thing. I just uh, mm-hmm. like it sounds fantastic. And frankly, if you just ask me outright, uh, which one would you rather do? I would say hire a director and let them fucking direct the movie. That like let the person you chose and authorized to do the thing do the fucking thing uh outright but yeah it, it, you know i mean i i get that you don't want to go through all of the steps that we've seen a little bit and mm-hmm. I, I, hopefully it makes the process more expedient if it is going to happen that way yeah uh Joe Manganiello said that um, that you know the end credits scene from the Theatrical Justice League mm-hmm. where where Lex Luthor is talking to to Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. He says like he thought that scene was gone, but then John Berg called him and said we've reworked the scene and put it back in. And then like they just re-recorded all of Eisenberg's shit, and Manganiello's stuff was all the same. But really, it was supposed to have been about Batman originally. Nice. Where like they were talking about t- it was supposed to lead into Ben Affleck's Batman. Mm-hmm. Which, according to him, it was a really dark story where Deathstroke was like a shark or a horror movie villain that was dismantling Bruce's life from the inside out. It was the systemic thing. He killed everyone close to Bruce and destroyed his life to try to make him suffer because he felt that Bruce was responsible for something that happened to him. Dude, can we do that? <laughs> On one of these streams, Zack Snyder said he wanted to see it. I want to see it. I can't. Jason Kyler says that he wants to see it. Can we see this thing? Oh, yeah. No, Come on, that, Ben. That's a fuck you, take my money kind of thing. That proposition is not even... You wouldn't finish the sentence if you were actually offering it to me before I was I mean, throwing my wallet at you. I hate to see Alfred go, man, but the man said everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just whelps on your face from when I balled up dollar mm-hmm. bills and threw them at you. <laughs> Um, there were, there were plans for an unmade Deathstroke movie. Joe says, uh, he says, I worked with an Oscar nominated writer on that treatment. And it was one of those projects that got canceled during that period. There Mm. were maybe seven different Deathstroke projects that all didn't happen over the course of four years. (laughs) That's rough, man. (laughs) It is so bad. That is so awful. I mean, I've, I've heard some shit Hollywood stories and that, that's not the worst, but that's bad. Mm -hmm. That's a lot Mm -hmm. of cock teasing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, talk about a death stroke. Something about death stroke having swords. Talk about an edge. Edging. Can you, can you do me a favor? What? Real quick. What? Do you see your left knee? Yes. Can you punch yourself in that? No. Okay. I have enough problems in my knees, man. <laughs> Maybe left thigh. <laughs> quick. Frog. What, what Did you hear thing? it? Did you hear it? I hit it. I hit something, my, something. I hit my leg. What what do you, what do you call that when you frog? Anyway, it's like pop it. I don't. The, I don't know. I didn't hang I wasn't out with actually boys. A bully. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I was not a boy. I did not hang out with boys. I did not enjoy their You're company. A bully. I wasn't a bully. <laughs> no, I'm saying boy. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they were all bullies. I, I was also only vaguely one of those <laughs> most times. Yeah. 
I was like, can't we sit down and have like some cookies and milk or some like apples and peanut butter yeah. and watch the latest episode of Hanging with Mr. Cooper? Yeah. Do we have to rough house? Do we have to call each other unsavory things and yeah. punch each other? And the- we we could do all this. What if instead we all just got back to my place and watched Animaniacs, man? <laughs> yeah. I choose to live. Instead. I, I choose to live vicariously through Conroy Batman. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be Tiny Toons Adventures, I think, behind that. I can't remember the programming now. Yep. Yep. Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, <laughs> Batman the Animated Series. In my safe shelter, far Adventures away from of Batman and Robin, whatever the hell they were calling it at the time. Yeah, far away from the glistening welt of an Indian burn. Freakazoid. Who cares? <laughs> it's all better. We can all just go do a thing and laugh. Sorry, Native American burn. Um, <laughs> it's probably true. We were <laughs> probably we were probably blissfully unwoke at the time. <laughs> um. Anyway. I don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> what was the next piece of news? Let's just go for it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm just I'm stuck in the mire here. I don't know where I'm at. Mm. Oh, uh, they did say that uh, they gave a time for Wonder Woman 1984 showing up uh, 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern time on HBO Max. Cool. All right. So 11 a.m. our time, I guess. Yeah, for us. Yeah. 11 a.m. Yeah. and... I think that may actually work. I don't know. The, I haven't seen like server problems on HBO Max. That unless been, they get over overwhelmed, which would be a good thing. Mm. Like mm. if I tuned in and was just getting dropping like dropping footage, just disconnecting over and over again. It's actually maybe a good thing. Yep. Oh, and uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four does have a post credit scene. So I have seen, and I've been super deliberate on social media about making sure I don't see anything more. Well, I don't, has it been released? Oh no, but spoilers are out there. Oh, I haven't seen those. So <laughs> because this terms, was the, the, the terms that I cannot see on Twitter. Gal, Godot, Patty, Jenkins, W84, Wonder, and Woman. Okay. Well, I'll tell you this, the advanced If any single is, woman does anything, I will not know about it on Twitter for the next 30 days. That's fair. Uh, the the advanced copies and the screenings of the film did not include the post credit sequence. Sweet. And yet apparently there are still spoilers. I, I don't know. Um, so this was before she said she wasn't sure she was coming back for Wonder Woman 3. Mm-hmm. So take it with even more of a grain of salt. It might be a longer wait. Uh, she says, I came up with a story with Jeff Johns and I beat out an entire story for Wonder Woman 3 that we were super fired up about. But I've never felt this way uh, before as much as I do now. I don't think I'm doing it next. Well, no, she's doing Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of have to wait and see where we are in the world. It's interesting. What I wanted to talk about in this film was very prescient to what I was feeling and what you were feeling was coming. So now I'm not sure so much has changed in the world. I still love the story that we came up with. I'm sure that parts of it would come over to it, but I'm trying to say, don't decide, don't fall in love with anything. See what would one woman do now? What are you craving one woman to do in this world? Of course, we don't know what Jeff John's fate in the DC films future world is. Uh, Look, Jeff John's is going to image. I'll tell you that (laughs) he's taking his, his, his comic books to, to he's going to do shit at image basically. Um, we don't she, know how much the Ray Fisher investigation affected that. They may just want to scrap that plan and go sans Jeff when everything is all said and done. Yeah. We know Patty's going to be doing Rose Squadron next. Um, and she looks excited. Like, I'm happy for her. I really and am. And hopefully, hopefully Gal is busy doing, you know, something else like 
Zack Snyder's Justice League 2. <laughs> she she will find something. Either I'm, way, I I'm don't not miss worried her. about her as far as employment. Yeah. Uh, so hey, you know how we were talking about how theaters aren't going to be aren't going to be doing as well as they hoped. Um, they projected they internationally. Really yeah, they 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 projected sixty million internationally. Uh, it, Wonder Woman eighty four has made thirty eight point five. Sorry, Patty. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, French guy. This was this was also the reason <laughs> I abandoned. <sighs> I abandoned certain Twitter terms for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, but I mean, it's not a numbers game. Like it takes one person to really piss me off in that capacity. So uh, you know, I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll undo all those terms in a week. Literally, it's twelve twenty one right now when we're recording this. So less than a week. Yeah. <clears throat> Over to Black Adam. Mm. They've cast uh, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone. Uh, they'll be portraying Maxine Hunkel slash Cyclone, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Cyclone. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, Swindell is non-binary, uses they, them pronouns. So keep that in mind when referring to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they also appeared in an episode of HBO's Euphoria. They were, uh say... They were in Netflix's Trinkets. I don't know what that is. I've never seen it. Anyway. I, I don't. I I, it, I say this so much about casting. I know. I, I know. Just, I just don't. I, I didn't see them. Sorry. Did, no idea where they were before. Yep. I'm coming in dry. They're in the flash. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Ooh, wait. All right. Well, I'll keep talking. I'm going to look that up in the background. Okay. Uh, so the character Maxine is the granddaughter of Ma Hunkel, who was the first Red Tornado. And an unofficial member of the Justice Society, you can see uh, Red Tornado that Red Tornado's helmet in Legends of Tomorrow in, in Rip's trophy room, which is mm. fun. It's basically just a pot with with holes cut into it. Nice. <laughs> um, after being kidnapped and experimented on, uh, experimented on as a kid, Maxine realizes as a young adult that she has the ability to manipulate wind and sound waves, which ultimately gets her recruited into the JSA. So it looks like that that cast is pretty rounded out, man. They've had. They've had about half of it up and going for a while. Yeah, I mean, Hawkman has been cast. Uh, Adam, Adam Smasher. Smasher is a big one. Yeah. I mean, sort of. Oop, drop that. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> yep, I just dropped a thing. It's not like you dropped a laptop. It was a fidget spinner. Ah. Mm-hmm. I feel you there. Yep. And I don't care. You know, I had someone come over to my house. Someone I don't actually talk to anymore at all. I blocked them on Facebook because <laughs> they believed COVID was a hoax. Ah. Uh, rabid, rabid, uh, proud boy. Mm, mm. I was like, oh, 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 oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've had a moment where we're going to have to part ways. Yes. Uh, he only came over to my house once and, uh, he saw a fidget spinner and was deeply disappointed and kept just shaking his head and saying boo. And I was like, look, man, I play with those all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm antsy as hell. I'm on anxiety medication. Mm-hmm. Let me have a fidget spinner. I'm not following a trend. I have issues. Go away. <laughs> I have a fidget cube right next to my fidget spinner. Please kindly fuck off. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I will um, deal with my fucking neurons the way I see fit. <laughs> if you have a problem, the exit sign is over there. I understand there's a fad, but this is very much a thing I didn't know I needed. Do you know how many pin caps are now saved? <laughs> <laughs> You know, 
You know how much my uh, gum and teeth line appreciate? Yes. Having something to fixate on that's not chewable. My fingernails are no longer gnawed to the quick. Because, uh, by the by, I'm not a dog who's you know how literally pen... like supposed to chew a little bit, but not all the time. You know how pen caps have the little the little thing that you know you're supposed to like use to secure it to your lapel or your oh sure yeah no yeah. you just chew the shit up. No, I mean not even uh, even when I'm like talking on the podcast, not chewing, I'll sit there and like bend it back and forth until it snaps off. Oh yeah, that's like a real thing. I do that kind of shit. So like I will. I usually on the show, I am fiddling with something. Mm-hmm. I am just knee deep in fiddles. <laughs> <laughs> I and have that's to, um... I'm writing that down. That's going to be a shirt. I'm going to have a fidget spinner and it's going to say <laughs> knee deep in fiddles. <laughs> I have these, uh, I haven't been able to do that in so long because I've been using like the pilot G2 for longer than I can at this point, accurately remember, like literally mm-hmm. 20 years, however long this pen has been out, I've been using it. It fits mm-hmm. my hand. I think parts of my skin have formed to fit this pen. And, but I can't click it. I can't just sit around going, you know, all yep. day. So, yep. but I'll spin the bottom of it out and back in over and over again. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've done that plenty of I have of to time. set aside yeah. ones that uh, make too much squeaky noise because that's mm-hmm. terrible. Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. Also, right, don't forget one, the like just dangling my phone in my fingers. Yeah, I do that. That's going to cost me a thousand dollars here and there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, Margot Robbie re- revealed new plans for Birds of Prey. Actually, a lack of plans. She says, I don't know. Nothing imminent at this stage. Nothing worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her and her honesty. I know. Like, no, it's not off the table. It, it just nothing imminent. That's, yeah. Like, there's, there's, there, oh, that's, oh, bless her. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really, genuinely, you could have my money right now if there was another uh, film in, in the works. I would, I would pay my ticket and someone else's on spec. Oh, yeah. But oh, the honesty. I love the honesty. I mean, I get the feeling she said that because she's, I think, one of those that are like, mm, I don't like what Warner Brothers is doing. Oh, she is. But I just, I, I love the soundbite, how it comes across. Yeah, there's nothing mm-hmm. in it. We'll see. Nothing yeah, that's also uh, just accurate. Well, uh, I think it's time we went to break and then right. came back and did some TV. That sound good? Sounds good. Cool. And we are back. We're going to talk about Peacemaker. So, are you excited about Peacemaker? Eh. Yeah, I'm a little on me. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to disparage. I just no. uh, haven't had time to get excited, and I um, haven't, you know, really seen the character so far. So right, yeah. Um, well, Illuminati uh, gave us some casting details. Do uh, love that name. Yep, uh, Leota Abadeo is apparently confirmed to play. Uh, oh, is confirmed to be played. Sorry, by Orange and the new, is the new Black Star, Danielle Brooks. Uh, Leota is described as smart, driven, full-figured, and capable, but with her fair share of insecurities, a newcomer who isn't treated well by the others. And uh, Augie Smith is going to be played oh, by... I like her. Okay. I think that's the character. Mm-hmm. Augie Smith. I don't know. I've been down over it. Okay. Got it. Oh, okay. Cool. I was just looking um, her up as I went. I'm like, hmm, you like a non-realistic, a non-real person? No, I'm you still, like a, okay. still waiting for the next thing. Gotcha. You- 
Augie Smith. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the next <laughs> casting news right. that I, I gotcha. will not be able to replace. And I'll look that Yo, up as you, it comes to. You, I think you'll know this one. Uh, Augie Smith uh, has been confirmed to be played by Terminator 2 Judgment Day's Robert Patrick. Oh. Described as the father of Christopher Smith, Augie is a strongly opinionated, vulgar, small-town racist who is powerful and cunning. All right. And the comics... I actually did know that one. Yeah. Peacemaker's father in the comics was Wolfgang Schmidt, a Nazi who runs a concentration camp during World War II and ultimately commits suicide instead of facing his crimes. Nice. After his death, he continues to haunt Christopher Smith both figuratively and literally with his heinous crimes and his ghost-like visions affecting his son's life and motivating him to become a vigilante. Hmm. All right. And uh, on Thursday, THR reported that four actors had joined Peacemaker... And uh, it st- actually starts production next month, by the way. Uh, Lachlan Monroe, who was uh, Betty Cooper's dad on Riverdale. I know that dude. <laughs> that dude has been in a bunch of stuff. He was an asshole cop in a guy thing. He's He's been around. I've seen him in a lot of like 90s, like raunchy teen comedies. He was usually like the frat bro. I think he was in like Dead Man on Campus, I think. But uh, I, I actually do think I remember who you're talking about on that one. Yeah. I mean, spoilers for Riverdale. He was like the Black Hood killer. Hmm. Um, but uh, talking now I'm very dubious about my own recollection. Go ahead. They're also, uh, Chuck Woody Iwuji is coming in. Annie Chang and Christopher Heyerdahl have been added to the cast. I don't know any of those cats. Oof. Yeah. Lost me too on that one. Uh, they released a new Batwoman, uh, season two trailer and they are really playing up the Kata's missing angle which I'm glad they are. It, it looks like they have a, uh, a character who's running around with a neon oh. scarecrow mask. By the way, weirdly, uh, I actually did have the person on Riverdale, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, um, good. <clears throat> that's going to be the exception. I have no idea who you're talking about now. <laughs> All these other people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. That's going to be my one W, even mentally. And uh, that that's that's going to probably be it for the casting mm-hmm. part of this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that Batwoman season two trailer, man. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like pretty sweet. Yeah. Did you did you also see Neon Scarecrow? Did you also see think that that was like what they were doing or did it just seem like somebody else entirely? Just did not catch it at the time. Mm. Just didn't. Um, which is probably on me, frankly. Oh, you're good. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I get so excited when I see Scarecrow. I love that character. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is on me for not seeing it and noticing it. But, you know. I mean, I might just be making that up. Like there was someone with like some kind of neon mask on. It just looked like a scarecrow mask to me. Oh, gotcha. It looked like what if Joel Schumacher had done scarecrow in that one <laughs> scene where everyone was neon? No, not one. No, scene. Ba- no. Yeah. No, that, the, the, the whole, <laughs> two whole, whole movies, subplot. <laughs> in the two whole movies where everyone was in neon, everyone in the streets in Gotham were wearing neon paint. Every, like ugh, there's neon yeah, everywhere right, in those right. movies. It, no, there was like a straight up, like glow in the dark neon uh, subplot with like a gang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's... in in both of those movies, that's like Gosh, something that I've been both. like a little bit railing on Twitter. Just like everyone always brings up shit from Batman and Robin, like oh the nipples or all oh, the neon, and I'm like, you assholes talk about how much you love Batman Forever. All that shit is in those in that movie. He's got the nipples in Batman Forever. Val Kilmer started the nipples. He didn't do it. It wasn't him. It wasn't George Clooney either. It was Schumacher. <laughs> Schumacher liked the nipples. All right, so. My, uh, I've, I've thought about your points on that and you're not wrong by any stretch. I, I just think like it's starting there and it going wrong there is, is the distinction that I feel like we, we've failed to make 
bringing these points up to you. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it may be present. Here's where we're wrong. <laughs> I don't think any of Here's those things sideways. necessarily created the wrongness of Batman and Robin. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. No, nothing at all. I, no, I, the, the problem. It just happens. The reason Batman Forever is not an issue, but Batman and Robin is, is because Batman Forever actually had like bones to an actual story in there. And Batman and Robin was a commercial for toys. <laughs> that is the problem. Because even while all those other things may have been cheesy and dumb and I scoff at them, but I watch them in Batman Forever, they don't make it a bad movie. Batman and Robin was just a bad movie that had a bunch of other bad elements that was introduced in the previous movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, there, but there was a uh, attack non- that was very much missing. But non-discerning people who just want to like, it was Clooney, it was the nipples, it was the... No, it wasn't those things. It, it, pay attention. Not precisely. But the the overall concept of all of them combined was part of the problem. Maybe. Speaking of costumes, did you did you see that they, they released this uh, Superman suit from Superman and Lois? No. Yeah. They oh, released it. oh, yes. yes. You thought sorry. you saw it. But no, I'm sorry. I know you don't care about costumes. And yeah. I'll be honest. You know, I've heard so many people just singing the praises of this new costume. Like, oh, it was the same people who worked on the Kingdom Come suit from from uh, crisis and oh it looks so good it doesn't look any different to me it doesn't have the it doesn't have the cape clips that everyone apparently hated in supergirl <laughs> which i didn't understand like why did you guys hate that so much who cares i, I didn't love it but so many things to me are like I, I just this isn't a deal breaker i mean look i i've never been a particular fan of it looking like superman's cape was just tucked into his collar yeah and uh i liked the cape clips okay I, I, it didn't, you know, stand out to me as something so egregious that I should, you know, go on a rant about it on Twitter. I'll tell, uh, two things I liked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, it's more blue. I do enjoy more blue. But I'm sure, again, I'm sure that struck you as like, okay, well, that part's pleasant. Yes. But we'll see how it really looks when they're not putting a Zack Snyder filter on it. <laughs> All right. So that part cracked me up because that occurred to me. Uh, two, there's like a, there's a cut line <laughs> going down kind of from like the the right side of the the outside side of the nipples all the way kind of down into the abdomen mm-hmm. yeah it felt like it kind of mimicked the supergirl costume in a way that i i, I oh, haven't sure. to look that up but it th- that particular line felt familiar to me in a way that was like oh cool that's that's really good homage to uh you know the fact that this is a spinoff after all yeah i mean it looks like the supergirl has pants now suit Oh, very much so. But I like, really like the Supergirl pants outfit. I don't. It's pretty solid. I'm not a big fan of it. It's okay. It's fine. It's not iconic, though. Not to me. Genuinely could be like, I don't know. It could just be a matter of like, oh, that looks kind of uh, visually complex in a way that confuses me enough that I think I may like it. And it's more blue. Yeah. You know, because I'm a simple creature. (laughs) I, I am a big proponent of not necessarily trunks. But some kind of red element below the waistline uh, breaking up the blue. And, uh, uh, you know, I I didn't like the way it looked on Cavill. I don't like the way it looks on Hecklin. I don't like the way it currently looks on on Benoist. I liked the red skirt. It doesn't have to be a skirt. She could have pants, for God's sake. I'm not saying she's a girl, so I have to see thigh. I'm just saying I like that red element breaking up the blue 
from a design perspective. Yeah, I can and I'm a, actually a huge proponent of of uh, like the Jim Lee designs of the X Men in the '90s, where they would have like the uh, sort of the the V shape coming down and then tapering off onto the thighs uh, below the belt. I like that that design element. Uh, Rogue was one of those people that had had that design, and uh, I always preferred that notion to the underwear on the outside. And especially with these like new 52 lines, that. they could color it that way and it would look great. Yeah. They have the lines there. They just need to color it. Yeah, I get that. Uh, there, there's something more kind of lively and colorful about, uh, uh, you know, a, a full palette of Superman. Mm-hmm. When I mean, you kind of just get him at a glance, like, yeah, it's a lot of red and yellow here with some blue background. I'll tell you the truth, man. Uh, take away those goggles. The Eradicator had the perfect Superman costume to me. Hmm. Where it was like different gradations of blue, where it was like blue and then like dark blue. <laughs> <laughs> like we had to pixelate this different. Yeah, it's like you know the standard red and yellow, and then and like the red and yellow elements, but then also have like and not, not only him, freaking uh, in the Smallville season eleven comics, uh, Clark's Superman costume and those had some really strong Eradicator vibes that I was into. But either way, whatever. I was just flipping through some pictures. I could I could get behind it certain ways. Yeah. I, yeah. Chest symbol's a little big for me. I see I like a big chest emblem. I kinda like it a little more mid sized. I go back and forth. But the the big chest emblem feels somewhat Darwin Cook to me. I um, can see that. And too small, it kinda gets into like, you know, action comics debut era where, you know, like I don't mm-hmm. like it so small where you're like, Why was it even there? <laughs> right. What I was it doing? <laughs> what was it doing? <laughs> when it gets when it gets big enough that it's displaying an S and, mm-hmm. and all that, that that makes a lot more sense in a way. See, I I tend to go towards like maybe I should just draw it. Maybe I'll draw it for the patrons, for you and the patrons. Nice, and show you what I'm talking about, like what I would do with it. But I think I'd have the S so big and like the red come down onto the shoulders from the S, and the S actually be what the cape clips into, like actually do like a almost like a Green Ranger power shield type of thing. I can see that, but, but there's a part of me that's like, what, what, is, where, where does it clip into that? See, <laughs> like the thing I like about the tucking under the collar thing uh-huh. is like, yeah, that's where you, you, that's where you would sew it under, under yeah. the, under the collar. Like that makes sense to me. No, it's almost like uh, Batman's cowl from 89. You know how he had like the fringed rubber cowl and then he had like the, the cape was like fastened underneath that. Oh yeah. 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 So it was like seamless sort of like yeah. that, but like with the shield. But mm. it would be more of a, yeah, maybe I'll just draw it. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want diagrams. But. Like I'm, I'm very specifically like, I love Superman's costume, but there are things I would tweak about it. And I don't feel like anyone's ever gotten it right. <laughs> I know that's really pretentious or something, or I don't know. It's just never been exactly what I would do with it. Yeah. I mean, but that's, you know, that's how people get. I get it. No, I, I, I get it. I, anyway, I, I'm not going to try to like pull the hook up on you on that one. I get it. Oh, no, you can pull. I mean, yeah, do whatever. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. There's things you'd tweak about your favorite song. Right? Yeah. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, that's a bad example. There's nothing. I wouldn't change, I would change a frame of the blues brothers. I'll tell you that. There's not a thing about I'm the walrus that I would change. No. Not one. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of for you. I was like, note. are you absolutely telling me you'd sit there and change? I am the walrus. Like not one, one single decibel. fucking note. One. No. 
like I wouldn't change High Fidelity. I wouldn't change the Blues Brothers. Not one iota. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what my favorite song is. I really don't. A terrible example. I'm. I'm I would be I sorry, but I got to think about Blues Brothers and I'm Mars, and that's not bad. Yeah, and you know, I I don't know what my favorite song is. I, when I was a kid, and for several years afterwards, I, my favorite song was "I Wish I Felt Nothing" by the Wallflowers, and I don't think I would change any of it. But I don't know that it's my favorite song anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for me, that's Interstate Love Song, Sound of a Pilot. Really good song. <laughs> I don't think I'd change I, anything. It was my favorite song at a certain point. I'm going to send you a song by the Foo Fighters that reminds me of Interstate Love Song. Nice. It's called Congregation, I think. And uh, they, they like I was humming it the other day, and then Bethany started singing Interstate Love Song, and I'm like, thank you. That is what that sounds like <laughs> for just a second. In the in the Foo Fighters song, it sounds like Interstate Love Song for just a second. Nice. Um, anyway. Uh, they have cast Adam Rayner on Superman and Lois as Morgan Edge. This is another recast. They mm-hmm. uh, Morgan Edge used to be Adrian Pazder. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're really leaning into this whole uh, crisis change shit thing because, you know, suddenly, dude, Lois's dad got like younger and hotter. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and now so did Morgan Edge. <laughs> hey, what are you going to do, man? I mean, it's what I, it is. <laughs> He's being described as an intelligent, eloquent, and impassioned self-made mogul whose innate ability to motivate is the means to his success and others' demise. Nothing about him being a rampant misogynist as he was on Supergirl. So maybe that's that's part of the 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 the, the recipe, man. Yeah. Before even disclaiming the misogynist part, like uh, the the you know the Reddit description of this guy would just be like this guy fucks. <laughs> you just read those terms, yeah. Like mm-hmm. Reddit, Tumblr, even yeah, Twitter. You know, most social media. Most social media. Right. This guy right. Fox. Like, mm, we, we, we're going to have Morgan Edge, but he can't be bargain bin Scott Bakula with the hatred for women now. Let's, uh... <laughs> I, I take umbrage to bargain bin Scott Bakula. Adrian Bastar has his own history. And it's, that is a whole conversation. No, he's, he's a good actor. He's... Great in his own right, and I would say arguably not any less impactful in certain in his era that he's worked than Scott Bakula. Yeah, I mean, he just acts like Scott Bakula and looks like Scott Bakula. He just doesn't have quite the pedigree that Scott Bakula has. I take umbrage. So, bargain bin, Scott Bakula. I want to disagree better. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like be, I need time to, to be mouth fair. the argument. I would love if if I had a show, like if I just had a show that was about brothers, I would probably cast Scott Bakula and Adrian Pazder as brothers. I, w- I, I wouldn't invite you on it. Because they, they act alike. They talk alike. It's like Patty Duke, but with like middle-aged men. <sighs> Sorry. Scott's elderly, I think now. But <laughs> <laughs> he has he surpassed the men of a certain age era. <laughs> they, they, they have some similarities, but... Uh. I just, uh, I just can't go. I, I imagine mm. Adrian Pazder saying, oh, oh boy. Oh boy. And I think he would do a great job with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could be on the remake of Quantum Leap and I wouldn't even notice. I, I, you know, Bacula could be a Petrelli too if we're going to do it. Oh yeah. Well, to be fair, anyone on that show could have been a Petrelli. Every, <laughs> no, and, and that's were. not true. And were. <laughs> that's not true. You either flew, you knew the future, or your powers completely changed depending on the Status of the strike at the time. Oh, come on, man. Oh, everybody on that show was a Petrelli. 
there at were some so point. Petrales. It was flooded with Petrellis. There was like a sand person who like kicked up sand and she was a Petrelli. Like that was, she was the breaking point on Heroes. Like I was like, if one more freaking person turns out to be a Petrelli, <laughs> I'm not watching this shit anymore. And like literally the next week, the penultimate episode to the season three finale, they find some bitch in a hole in a desert and they said that that is her lot their lost sister and i went i'm out and i stopped watching <laughs> i was like uh uh-uh. no no we're not doing sandwich petrelli we're not doing this Mm-mm. i i i'm you're out not, you're not wrong i can't help you <laughs> you know who else we can't help they didn't minimize the petrellis by the end of the series that helps <laughs> i mean one would hope <laughs> they just didn't have the money to pay all those actors. And you're like, what else could they do? <laughs> you <laughs> could the only go down. <laughs> uh, we also can't help, though, the, uh, <laughs> the the Lucifer production, apparently, as reported by, by Variety. Oh. They have uh, recorded 13 positive coronavirus cases since early November. Mm-hmm. But uh, even within uh, that, the series has continued production. Apparently, they've been mostly isolated and are not considered to be part of a larger cluster or outbreak. So they just keep on trekking along, man. I mean, it, it's possible. Like, it's it, it it's possible. It's just really hard to manage. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it with, uh, you know, the so-called pods and all that. Like, <laughs> it, it's doable. It's just... Sure. Whew. Um, all right, man. Uh, so that is the end of news. Hmm. Let's get some feedback. We have questions. Well, did you know? I had forgotten. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Scotty St. Clair says, after seeing Bob Odenkirk kick ass in the Nobody trailer, are there any DC characters you would fan cast him as? You could make for a decent Alan Scott or Ted Kord. Dude is a tour de force in terms of talent. Uh, we did answer this on Twitter, but I thought it was fun. It would be fun to say on the show. I didn't know at first, but then I realized the question. Mm-hmm. I would love for him to be the question. The no, question is the answer. ideal right there. <laughs> it just really is. Like, you, you don't want him to be, uh, he, he needs to be one of the kind of intellectualized characters. And mm-hmm. that's, that's perfect. Yeah. That can also kick ass. Oh, yeah. Absolutely good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I feel like I've seen hints of it, but man, that trailer was, I felt like I learned so a good. ton about him. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Travis Hines mm-hmm. on Twitter says, uh, you are dark side. Take a moment to drink in just how badass you are rolling on the floor laughing. Nice. And yes, he says he is rolling on the floor laughing. I am rolling on the, I was rolling on the floor laughing at the thought of me being badass. So that's why I said that. If I was being <laughs> I was dark drinking side, that I, in. I don't have to stop to drink it in because I just am. And I, the inevitability of it mm-hmm. makes it mundane. Mm-hmm. I just simply he, am. So your dark side, mm-hmm. which world do you invade first and why? Hmm. You, you got a call? Um, I have a couple of notions. Mm-hmm. See, I would do a secret invasion. And I know I'm not supposed to say that because Marvel, but sure. Um, I think I would like maybe grab like the best dude ever, like figure out like a probability of who the ring a green lantern ring would actually uh, gravitate towards and get that person brainwash them into thinking they were still a good person, but like have like some sort of little like trigger and have them do all the wrong things for the right reasons. Make sure they were a green lantern, like completely like manufacture a series of events 
so that they become a Green Lantern. They're in the right place at the right time. And if it didn't work, just keep trying until it happens. Then have that person as a Green Lantern infect every Green Lantern or the, the, the power base, the Guardians, what have you, lead an entire revolt against the galaxy. So, yeah, I think you want to just take our Mogu first. You think Mogu? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you already well, got that a is, ring. That, that, is, that, is the, that is a world that you you could invade. I mean, yeah, that's my point. Like, you can, yeah. uh, I think, kill a bunch of birds with one stone there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I have a better idea, except... Maybe uh, Starro's homeworld? Oh, that would be solid. But, you know, a bit redundant if you already have the anti-life equation. Or think you're even going to get it. Well, I mean, you got to give them a purpose. Yeah, but you can, you know, your purpose is dark side. Yeah. Now, uh, all right. So maybe Mars before the downfall, like mm-hmm. that'd be kind of fun. Like uh, just in, inhabit and destroy a planet literally in the same Ooh. time frame that it was already going to have destroyed itself. So you, you almost barely even rewrite history. It's like a test run. You go back in time, abduct as many Kryptonians as you can, blow up their world. You are the reason for Krypton's decline. Go back to the future, send as many Kryptonians as you can to Earth and have them invade. Oh, for sure. Like totally brainwash them. Granny goodness and her furies brainwashing. You could. Take it take it a little further though. Like what what is the uh the definition of a world in uh if you're dark side? Like take over the Phantom Zone. Take over well, the yeah. uh, anti realm. Go My crazy. thought is just always like take out Earth. The the goal is to do whatever you have to to take out Earth because they're the sons of bitches that keep stopping you. <laughs> it's like the 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 prime point. The a lot of writers have done some good work of like sneaking it in as being like, no, the reason it's so important is because it's it's this counterbalance of the rest of the universe, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do appreciate all that. A beacon of a beacon of of order in the chaos. Yeah. Like this, it's uh, the the origin of the hero age and all that stuff. It, there's been some good work there. I, I appreciate them working that in. But yeah, we're uh, we're we're sons of bitches. <laughs> and Batman is an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Who? Right. Uh, uh, Zarnia. You know, just just go ahead and kill that before Lobo. See what happens. <laughs> Lobo is a fun one. You could imagine you could how pissed you'd be if you were him and you wanted to do that. And somebody at the last second, when you're like about to go poison and destroy your planet, just came in and wiped it out. And you're like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. you fucker. I'm sorry. You bastard. Right. It, he, it would be his life's work to get the guy who undermined him uh, to revenge on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stu Little mm-hmm. says in retrospect, is it a little sad that Jason Momoa did not adopt a thick Judd from Pet Cemetery style main accent for his role as Arthur Curry? <laughs> no, not even a little <laughs> bit because that was awful. Also, I would pay money to see it. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I first first take. No, absolutely not. You you sit down. Second take, but I would pay money if you if you had this. Yes, you know, I, and I was always a little sad that we didn't get, uh, we haven't gotten a live action Aquaman. We still could in our life. Mm-hmm. That um, I always really liked that notion from Mark Wade. I think it was in uh, JLA Year One, where they could barely understand what Arthur was saying because he mumbled a lot and had a weird accent. Like he was from underwater, so sounds kind of travel differently underwater. Um, <laughs> So when he was on land, he just had like a weird Atlantean accent and mumbled. I like that. No, I love it. It's like you ever seen the uh, pictures of the blobfish or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like this 
it looks like a depressed emoji in yep. fish form mm -hmm. that was somehow microwaved and deflated. Yes. And and then you see it, like, if it's actually up to pressured proportions, it looks like it just, just looks like a fucking fish. Yeah. It looks a little bit like the, you know, it had it been a thing that existed, the an ill-fated prototype for Nickelodeon Splooge. <laughs> like, we're not going to be able to call it that, guys. Stop telling kids to put it in their mouth. Stop. It's not happening. Do you know what Splooge means? <laughs> an overly introspective uh, Percocet clown nightmare. <laughs> we're calling it GAC and we're changing it. And we're changing the color to green. <laughs> <laughs> it cannot be pearly. What are the no. color variations? Darker, sadder green. <laughs> hey kids, Nickelodeon splooge. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it says three stages of grief in one fish. <laughs> anyway, Stu goes on, says, am I the only one getting tired of the hypocrisy of a certain DCEU Twitter people bemoaning constant up unprompted Snyder bashing only to themselves engage in constant unprompted DCCW and James Gunn bashing? You're not the only one. It's a, it's a subset of even a subset, but. I would even say a subset of a subset of a subset, but uh, I do see it's, a lot of it. It's a very small Venn diagram, and I I just suggest um, doing Block. some blocking and muting. <laughs> Block, mute. Just uh, refresh that old timeline. Mm -hmm. No one's trying mm -hmm. to make a vacuum here, man. You know, you need to hear other thoughts, but stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Do you have to go into everything ready for antagonism? Yes. Nah. Yes, you do. No, no, you don't. You can... <laughs> you can you can adjust certain parts of the environment to minimize some of it. Yep. Um, let's see. And I didn't, I didn't, uh, I apparently deleted whoever said this and I'm sorry, but mm. I'll read the question anyway. Nice. Uh, Warner Brothers uh, owns Hanna-Barbera superhero characters like the Wonder Twins, Space Ghost, and Blue Falcon, to name a few. We'll leave out Birdman for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Birdman. <laughs> Might we see any of those uh, adapted for HBO Max or for films? Uh, sorry, or uh, HBO Max series or films or brought into the greater DC fold. Dude, man, I, I mean, we've already seen the Wonder Twins get some treatment at DC. Mm -hmm. Wonder Twins have showed up on, uh, I think it was Young Justice mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I, can we please bring Space Ghost into the fold? Can we please bring, I love Blue Falcon, dude. Like I would watch those head of our bear cartoons, that and Birdman. I dug all of that stuff. So I don't know if we might, but if they were smart. They would definitely, I mean, we've had Scooby-Doo and, uh, and Batman crossovers for, you know, for Pete's sake. So I don't yeah. understand why we couldn't have, you know, uh, Blue Falcon show up or, uh, you know, some sort of, some variation of his robot dog as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would love to see Space Ghost. Uh, God, I love Space Ghost. I think it's just a matter of time before it's in animated at least. Yeah. Just a matter of time. And I would absolutely make it part of the DC universe. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You can lend that now if you want to, depending on how you do it. But yeah, you can, you can, you can make a make a an argument that some of it already is. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew Salvatore says, "What have you both inferred from all of the Wonder Woman 1984 reviews? Have the reviews made you more excited about the film, or have they made you more skeptical of it?" Um, I don't care. I'm happy. I I think I'm going to get more of what I didn't necessarily love in the first one. 
and more of what I did actually really like in the first one. And uh, I don't bemoan anyone getting what they want out of that. I'm, I'm happy for those people who are going to be excited about it. And I hope I'm more excited about it than I believe I will be. I do love the 80s. So we'll see. And uh, you guys will hear our thoughts on what we actually think in just a few days. Mm-hmm. I have strategically avoided uh, parts of Twitter. So um, I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, the reviews aren't spoilery. They're just, you know, it's bright and colorful and we love it. It's what we need in these tragic times. Okay. Yeah, just, and some of it's probably right, wrong, whatever my opinion is. I just don't like to have an opinion before I go in as much as I can reasonably do. And since it was coming out so quickly, I've gone really hardcore on what I'm blocking on the internet. Yeah. Uh, he says, well, also, what should we call this new version of BVS? The Supreme Edition? Um, I, I don't know. Ultimate Cut IMAX? The Ultimate Edition IMAX? Just say IMAX at the end of it. That'll be enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Supreme's actually pretty good. It just feel, it makes me feel like I'm going to get sour cream and tomatoes on it. I know. <laughs> oh, uh, superlative Batman vs. Superman. Just have like a picture of uh, DJ Khaled on it and it says, another one. <laughs> Batman v Superman, another one. BBS and all. Mm-hmm. Oh, BBS et al. <laughs> all right, we got uh, one more piece of feedback. It is uh, a voicemail from our beloved Witter Woman. Well, I'm sorry you got, got all tongue-tied up, are I heard y'all was talking about that old slider cut again. Well, I done told you about, about our butcher back in the depression, old Cletus Snyder. He surely could cut that tongue up, that old beef tongue, so you could eat it. Otherwise, it worked, worked feeding to the hogs, don't you know? Well, I hear you said he was going to cut it into four pieces. Well, back in the depression, he cut it into four Eight, fifteen pieces, according to how many folks you had living with you back then. We had my own and nine or ten of us living in the same house, all sleeping in the bed or on the floor in an old box or wherever you could find a place to lay your head. That's how you did it, and you'd be gnawing on that old beef tunnel all night long ago. Cletus Snyder done, done fixed it up good for you. Of course, you could eat other kinds of tongue, too, don't you know? You could eat your uh, possum tongue. They're kind of small. You could fry them up and put them in crackling breads, or you could eat a goat tongue, but they they don't taste too good. Well, anyways, I, I wish now I mean, you made me hungry. I'm, I'm going to get me some vittles, so you have your good now. Talk to you later in Feliz Nativity or whatever them folks say. All right, have have you good, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you, bye. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. Every time I listen to this, I've listened to this three times now. I uh, I can't stop myself from fading out, and then I fade back in. And uh, every time around the point where where she says crackling. putting that tongue in some some crackling bread or whatever. Oh, um, oh that's, my Lord. What, that's what she said. Yeah. I just, I keep like, huh? Oh, still tongue. Okay. 
<laughs> it's like you want to be like, hold on, hold on. How did you hear about the Snyder Cut? And then you, you go into depth about possum tongues and stuff. And you're like, okay, yeah. sorry, yeah. my bad. That I don't old, know what the fuck. I don't know what's going on here. That old Butcher Snyder cutting yeah. them tongues up. and uh, How well, do you know that term? Oh, my. My bad. <laughs> well, she does listen to her show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so Witter Woman, you know, I we love you here on DC on screen, and we we hope you continue to uh, send us musings. <laughs> I guess I'll call them <laughs> to, to bless us with these <laughs> <sighs> backwoods idioms that I would never have thought of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a blessing. And it's especially nice to hear from from the Witter in, in these trying times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so close to Christmas. It's like a gift uh, to know that you're doing well and that you're uh, thriving, we I guess. I would never dare question. You don't look a gift tongue in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad to hear from you. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been telling her all this time. Please, write, write, call, whatever you have to do. Be a weekly part of our show. <laughs> We'll put you on right here at the end. I'm up far, there. far away from the recoiling eardrums of Eli Hernandez, <laughs> <laughs> and all those who would dare besmirch the hallowed name of the Witter Woman. <laughs> I like it being a storied appendix. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it's since what 2016. Witter Woman's been been calling us up. From time to time, it's been a minute. She was she but a whippersnapper. Got us a. She got us a. Uh, got a, me- a message to us from mm-hmm. uh, for the um, Winter Woman compilation we did for on Patreon a few months yes. ago. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we always appreciate it, and uh, I think that does it until our Winter Woman 1984 review. Man, what do you think? Mm, sounds good. Let's bounce. Cool. Yeah. Still got that head injury. I'm going to go to bed. Man, you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. I'm just right. trying to do that. We are DC on screen. It did not work out. <laughs> you can find every episode, uh, theoretically, on <laughs> dconscreen.com. Uh, importantly, though, you can find our merch store. You can find our donate button. You can find our uh, our Patreon link. Um, and if I think about it, and maybe I already have, you never know with me, you can find links to all of our social media, including our Discord and um, until next time, until Wonder Woman 1984, keep some DC on your screen. Our intro music is by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Galactic Engineers of Magnetic Sounds, or GEMS, can be found on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Visit DCOnScreen.com to find our Patreon, merch, contact information, and every episode of the show for free, including crossovers we've done with other podcasts. DC Onscreen is a maladjusted production. For more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, vlogs, parodies, and our improvised web series Hey Guy, visit maladjusted.tv.